Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate watching my daughter get shots. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate most things. <laughs> what what triggered that? Was it a you can't think of something for today, or is it really that terrible that it has to be everything? <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going back to work tomorrow. Mm, I see. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> yeah. Well, why'd your daughter have to get shots? I mean, because she's a human being and you need to get shots. So she got her, like, regular round of shots at two months. And then at four months, which she recently hit, she had to get her boosters. So they give her all the same shots again as, like, a reinforcement. And then she'll get them again at six months. And it just breaks my little heart to see her because she gets she's so mad when it happens because <laughs> like she doesn't experience pain like that because i mean all she does is just sit and lay down and eat and sleep and like she doesn't do stuff where she's gonna like bump into a table you know or like get a charlie horse that just doesn't happen with babies so she experiences pain like that for like the first time and it's so heartbreaking cuz like she's just laying there and then the shot happens and then you see her face like contort like what is this sensation <laughs> i really don't enjoy it and it's really really heartbreaking uh, and just wailing wailing cuz she has to get like four shots all at once so jeez it's rough go but now we have a month and a half before she needs to go get the shots again so it's bad <laughs> uh so we have a lot of news actually to talk about. I kind of went a little deeper on the news this time around and just got some additional things to talk about. So let's like dive right in. Last weekend, you and dad came to visit. Um, I have been super busy with some work stuff. We have a big customer event this coming week where I'll be in Boston for a couple of days. And so I've just been like super busy. So I haven't done a ton of stuff. I continue to play Destiny 2. I mean, I basically, I play video games for probably two hours a week at a maximum. And when I do, I am usually watching my daughter or she's asleep and I need to be able to stop at any point. So it's just really hard for me. I've said this a million times. It's really hard for me to like dive into a new game or something that requires a lot of investment. So Destiny 2 is, is very easy to just plug in and play. It continues to be a very frustrating experience in terms of like the meta and like progressing I'm having fun just like I'll go to a world and do some um not like some not non adventures the little public uh, events. like the, yeah yeah public events and like I'll have like little quests that are like oh kill 30 cabal guys on Mars and like I'll do that kind of shit or I'll just go into the strikes playlist and play two or three strikes and that's kind of all I do and that part of it is totally fun the shooting continues to be really good in destiny but the progression is totally borked and a lot of it's because I fell off the game for so long. I have all these old quests. There's no indication of what my rewards are going to be in the old quests. So, like, I'll do a quest that'll take me, you know, an hour to do. And then I'll get, like, a gun that has, like, 360 light. It is completely useless to me. So I just feel like I wasted my time. Yeah. And even doing activities, like, there are lots of things that give you powerful gear now, which is great. I get it from the clan rewards, I get it from doing dailies, I get it from doing weeklies, and a lot of that stuff I can do solo. And I'll always get powerful gear that is above my current light level. But a lot of the other activities that don't give powerful gear, like the guaranteed advancement stuff, gives me useless shit. So, like, there's the big triumphs event happening right now that they did before forsaken i believe that like they give you 
the highest level gear that is green and you do a bunch of activities to level it up to blue and then to level right. it up to legendary. I know you, Cody, and I were doing a lot of that last time. Yeah. And they're doing that again. So I got all like green level 700 gear and that's when I was like, oh, level 700 is the max. <laughs> I thought it was 600 because I got a, an exotic gun that dropped at 603 recently. And I was like, oh, so that must, like, the highest must be, like, 615 or something. But fucking no. So already that exotic gun is, like, way below all of my other levels. I'm not getting weapons well, that are... Well, no, like, what they did with the, the Triumph stuff last time was they gave you access to the new level cap before the level cap became available. So I think 600 is still the current cap. But there, there is this particular set of 700 gear that you're leveling up so that you have really good 700 gear as soon as that cap is raised. I think you I are think. correct, but I think that the previous cap was 690. Because that's mm. how they did it last time, oh, okay. and it was, like, it was like 10 above. Like, it wasn't like a huge, huge jump. Okay. I think that's what it is. But still, like, all this old shit that I have, like, I have a bunch of guns that I've been using because they were the best that I had that were, like... 569 and so now all that shit is super useless right and so everything is really mix and matched i don't know it's it the progression has been really frustrating because i never know what i'm gonna get from stuff i never know i didn't know what the max light level even was so and there's just so much stuff to do as well that uh it can be overwhelming but Considering I'm just popping in occasionally to play for an hour, giving me a lot of options at the end of the day is a positive, I guess. So that's kind of all I've been playing. Uh, I Like I said, I'm going to Boston for a couple days, so I'm bringing my Switch. I'm going to plan on getting back to some Mario, and I might pick up another game on Switch. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm thinking about going ahead and buying Ape Out or something else on Switch. I was looking at Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. But that game is so multiplayer co-op focused that I'm not sure I'd get right. that much out of playing it by myself. So I don't well, know. It also I'm, doesn't I'm, seem like it's very good. So well, people have been saying it's very repetitive. But for people that like Marvel stuff and just want like a fun, actiony game, it's fine. Which is all I would be looking for from it anyway. But it's mostly okay. just like if I'm going to be playing it solo, I'm not going to be getting the best experience. So I'm not sure that that's probably worth my time. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, it's all I've really been playing. I'll have something new on Switch, Cadence of Hyrule or Ape Out or something like that um, for next time once I'm in Boston. What have you been playing? I broke down and got Resident Evil 4 on Switch. <laughs> so this is the 19th platform that you purchased this game on? <laughs> Basically. Um, I'm not going to say it's like a bad version of the game. It's not the worst version of the game. I think the PlayStation 2 version is pretty terrible. But uh, like, like Switch controls just aren't good like the analog stick is not good um so that makes it harder than it should be but mm -hmm. it's not like i haven't played the game 30 million times so i'm still doing all right <laughs> right um yeah that's that's fun it's a good game the resident Evil 4 continues to be good um i played around with a couple different minecraft mod packs just kind of falling off of some and returning to others uh and i beat wolfenstein youngblood mm. so I think last episode I had just kind of started it, but I've actually beaten it. Nice. Um, Story going some fun places? Yeah, I, I don't... I, I don't know what they're going to do for the next Wolfenstein game. Like, Oh, there's, interesting. This one kind of starts... There's a large gap 
uh, in between the last game and this one, obviously. Yeah. I mean, BJ didn't have daughters at the end of the last one, really. Um, so, pretty big gap. Uh, and they kind of just throw throw away a line somewhere where it's like, yeah, well, you know how, like, Hitler's dead and this other, like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he, he, wait, he's dead? What? Who? Hitler? Hitler's dead? What? When did that happen? So, I don't know. I've seen some theories about how, like, hey, maybe the next game, like, starts there and then jumps past Young Blood to right. where Young Blood kind of left off. Maybe it kind of jumps yeah. around a little bit. So that'll be interesting to see how they kind of handle that. Because um, we still don't have Mecha Hitler. <laughs> right. Um, but that's so, really all I played, though. Back to Minecraft really quick. Have you noticed, I feel like Minecraft is seeing a big resurgence. Like, I see a lot of people talking about Minecraft in ways that they haven't been in a couple of years. Yeah, well, they're also, like, because well, things happen in cycles, right? And yeah. um, I think a lot of popular Minecraft YouTubers kind of stepped away from it for a little mm-hmm. while. And now they're kind of working their way back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, either, like, they miss it or... They just like their channels haven't been as big since they stepped away. And so I think since they've kind of returned to it, there's kind of a, like a public consciousness that is kind of going with them because there have also like been a couple of new mod packs or maps and stuff that have come out that are kind of big. So that's yeah. helped. Well, and they've been supporting the game with more frequent, larger releases like Mojang has. Right. Because yeah. for a while, like it really slumped and made some changes that were like really controversial, like adding the shield and changing the way that attacking works right and like adding a lot of the underwater stuff that there wasn't really a lot of value in those underwater temples like there wasn't really a big reason to do any of that right and then i know they added some stuff to the end and i think now like they've made they've really blown out the underwater stuff with all the new creatures and seaweed or whatever yeah and like larger kingdoms stuff. underwater yeah, and, and there's stuff, like so. wrecked ships and stuff yeah yeah treasure hunting right right so yeah i'm i I mean, I had started a Minecraft world and played for a couple hours, and that was all I really did. And then I jumped on your um, Realms server and played for a little bit, and I just haven't come back to it. Mostly just because I don't have time. Like, I just haven't been able to play. It's not from disinterest. But uh, I'd be really curious to check out a lot of the new stuff. I do fear that it would be very overwhelming. Already jumping into your Realms server, I felt overwhelmed by all the new shit. Yeah. Because that's part of the charm of Minecraft is it doesn't explain anything to you. And I was at a point where I knew everything there was to know in Minecraft, and so I was just playing it, and that was the fun. And now I'm back to the point of having to discover everything again, and it just feels weird. I'm like, I already, I feel like I already did this, and now I'm doing it. It's yeah. actually kind of this similarly to how I'm feeling about Destiny. Like I'm just overwhelmed with all the new stuff, and I don't know where to go or what to do or how to prioritize with it. So Yeah, I get that. But it's still, um, you know, Minecraft's it's a pretty good game. Yeah, it's, it's a, a decent a decent game. I think uh, <laughs> some, some people would, would probably agree with that. Yeah. Some might call it like a top five game all time. Maybe. Actually, I don't know where I ranked it. Somewhere in that range, five or six or something. Um, check out my top 100 games of all time at ShadesEverything.com. Pop so, a plug. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's called the Shades Everything Podcast. I'm allowed to mention my website. <laughs> um, I didn't say you weren't. <laughs> so I'm watching a lot of the same stuff. Continue to watch Smallville. I'm about halfway through season four now. Chloe, Clark's best friend, found out that Clark is Superman. And he Whoa. didn't tell her. I know. It was a pretty big thing. Uh, 
because Clark was going through this whole relationship with this girl who has superpowers, like she could teleport. And so she was a villain in an episode, or I should say, he started dating her and found out that she could teleport. And so, like, he could be honest with her about, like, his superpowers because she also has superpowers and she was also hot, which was, like, really the priority for him, I'm sure. Sure. And then she, like, went completely psycho and she was very, like, possessive of him and therefore tried to kill Lana. Still not seeing a problem. Right. So then she got locked up in a mental institution and then she got freed from the mental institution because they, they said she was cured. Not of the teleportation, but of the being a psychopath. And uh, she wore this, like, bracelet that stopped her from being able to teleport. So her and Clark kind of are, he's like, hey, I still can't trust you. But he's you know, is remembering all the stuff that he liked about her. So they kind of get back together, which causes big problems with Lana, obviously. Because he's like, Clark, your new old girlfriend. You remember how she tried to murder me? Do you remember that? And Clark's like, yeah, but I like her. I can be myself with her. She's, like, really hot. Yeah. Uh, So that happens. And then... This girl still is like, like she wants to run away because everybody hates her. And so she tries to convince Clark he won't run away. So she puts him under the influence of red kryptonite, which takes well as inhibition. So they run to Vegas and get married in Vegas. And there's a really weird scene of them like doing their nuptial stuff after they get married. Like obviously it doesn't show them banging or anything, but like the foreplay part of it, but super powered. And it's like kind of weird. <laughs> and so that happens. So he wakes up from red kryptonite. He's like, dude, you did this. Like you're manipulating me again. I can't trust you. You can't do this. And she, she's going to leave. And then she doesn't. He decides that he's still in love with her. So they're still together, <laughs> but then she still wants to run away. He won't. And so to try to get him like, uh, Oh, this is what happens. Someone is murdering or trying to murder all of the people that she tried to hurt in the past. And so everybody's saying, dude, she's doing it again. And she's like, no, Clark, I promise I'm not. And she isn't. It was some other guy. Uh, But Clark like starts to disbelieve her. And he's like, Hey, you need to just go to the police, tell them the truth. The truth will set you free, etc. And she's like, I'll, I'll tell the police the truth. If you tell the police the truth about yourself. And he's like, Oh shit, this is a pickle because you have a point. But he is he doesn't, obviously. Right. And so she goes instead and tells Chloe to like because he's like her point is if everybody knows that Clark has superpowers, he won't have to hide himself anymore and they can be together. That's her like twisted logic. So she tells Chloe about it and Chloe sees him like lift a car. And so uh the end of that episode is super messed up because the murderer then murders that girl. That's how they're like, how do we write this chick out of the storyline? Let's kill her, I guess. And so Clark has a really, like, affecting moment where the dude, like, hangs her in a noose. And Clark finds her hung from a noose. Jeez. super dark. But so now Chloe, Chloe knows Clark's secret, but Clark doesn't know that Chloe knows. And so it's this really awkward relationship, the tension that they keep building where Chloe is very thinly veiled. Like, Clark, you know you can tell me anything, right? He's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, it must be hard to not feel like you can really be yourself. Wouldn't it be great if you had a friend that you could tell anything to? I could be that friend. And Clark's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of the, the current conflict. Um, Smallville getting Bigville. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm still watching Venture Brothers. We finished Parks and Rec and I was really bummed because then I was like, now what are we going to watch? And that finale is still probably my favorite 
series finale of all time. It's amazing. And so we just started watching The Office just as our background show. It was funny because Kelly and I, like, we finished it. And then we were like, okay, what are we going to watch now? And then I was like, oh, I don't want to sit here and talk about it. So I just started The Office. She's like, whoa, you jumped right to, like, that was the, that's always the fallback fallback plan if we can't find something then it's the office like you didn't even give us a chance to find something i'm like i'm i'm, I'm out of patience i'm not going to sit here and talk about what we want to watch uh so we're we've watched like the whole first season of that and i don't think i actually watched any of it i think i was doing something else because that show is just so it's that shows white noise but in the best way possible yeah sometimes kara and i will spend like 30 to 40 minutes talking about what we want to watch next and then yes. it's too late to start anything Yes, that happens to us all the time, and that's what I was trying to avoid by just pressing play on the office. Uh, Kelly recently rewatched through all of Sherlock, and I was watching her watch some of it, and was like, "Hmm, I would like to rewatch Sherlock." So we're gonna do that um, slowly because we we watched Stranger Things. Obviously, that was our big show. We took a break from Sons of Anarchy to catch up on on Stranger Things, and now neither of us are really have a lot of desire to go back to Sons of Anarchy. So we wanted another show that, like, we are invested in, but that we can watch while also watching Penny. Because it's really hard to watch a new show that you need to pay attention to when she's squirming and crying and playing. Right. So Sherlock is our show like that now. Um, We only watched the first episode, but, um, I mean, I've seen that show a couple of times now. It's so good. I'm just always blown away by just the, the the acting quality and the writing and the cinematography. Yeah. How they use the graphics to kind of put you into Sherlock's mind and how he thinks. Right. That show was brilliant. And it, we had an interesting conversation. People love talking about, like, what are the greatest shows of all time or, like, the greatest shows in the past ten years. And I feel like Sherlock never comes up in that conversation. And it should. Yeah. Because everybody's really like, should. oh, Breaking Bad, Sopranos. Game of Thrones before the last season. all like And Sherlock never comes up in that conversation. And I, I always forget about it, too. But I think it totally belongs in that... Con- it's That show is absolutely phenomenal. Um, uh, still watching Gordon Ramsay Uncharted. Kelly's not super into it, so I'm not sure if we're going to continue watching it. It is a little boring. It's kind of slow. Yeah, I, I watched that one episode when Dad and I were in town. It was yes. okay. It was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's a great show to watch when you are killing an hour. The thing know? that was cracking me up is their use of like faux heavy metal music sometimes, where it's like down to yes. down to Gordon Ramsay yeah. cooking, but like it's really fucking stupid. <laughs> it's really yes. dumb. Like they're trying to make it cool. Yeah, yeah. like one of those. Um, oh, what is that? Uh, oh shoot, it's like like Master for Man at Arms. The Man at Arms, where they they forge like weapons from different movies and shows and stuff. Okay. Um, but like they have like that's the kind of music they have. But it's like sparks and magma, like molten iron and shit. But Gordon Ramsay's like slapping a fish with a rock. Mm. So yes, a little bit of it's a, a weird show. It is very weird. <laughs> it is it it like um. In concept, it is interesting and cool, and like I haven't really seen a show like that before because it's very like let's learn about how these small villages in these really remote places in the world cook, yeah, and the ingredients that they use that they find locally. Like that's a really cool thing. It is, but something about the structure of it, or like maybe it's too focused on Gordon Ramsay's it, shtick. It's definitely it is. It just isn't like. But it's not really his shtick anymore, though. It's just kind of Gordon Ramsay because he's not. Which like, maybe is the problem. He's being too. He's being too normal. 
Maybe. So he's not as interesting. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, while you and Dad were here, we watched a lot of Comedians in Cars. That show is awesome. Yeah. It, it is, I would say it is very inconsistent. Like, some episodes are much better than others and more interesting. But just hearing Jerry Seinfeld talk to other comedians about comedy is always really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and led us to watch Ricky Gervais' stand-up, which I thought was good. I, I'm a... I'm a bit mixed on him sometimes. Like, sometimes I definitely think he pushes too far and too hard. Too far isn't fair. He pushes too hard and tries too hard to, like, be edgy. And that it makes it feel not as uh, honest. Yeah. But the stand-up that we watched, I think it was called Humanity? Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah. Something like that. That I thought was really good. I really I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And then we watched... Then we watched who's the other stand-up that we watched? His Three Mics thing? Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, that I didn't love. Yeah, you didn't like mics. that. I really appreciated that, though. The concept of it was interesting, but it didn't... He he was the writer on... He, he co-created Chappelle. the Chappelle show. Yeah. I think his name's Neil something. Yeah. But I don't, I don't remember his name. You... Cor- yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't as big of a fan of it because you felt like it was kind of just him unburdening himself... Yes. ...onto the audience. Yes. Which, for me, like, I, as someone who likes to have those kinds of conversations with people, I appreciated that. Right. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I get why you might be like, well, that's not what I'm really here for. Yeah, so, basically the concept of it, and it's on Netflix, so folks can check it out. It's called Neil Something Three Mics, and basically, it's he has three microphones on stage. He does one-liners, emotional stuff, and regular stand-up. The regular stand-up I thought was awesome. I yeah. loved it. I thought it was hilarious. The one-liners were really throwaway. Yeah, I didn't really, really find any of them funny. Yeah. The emotional stuff was the meat of the show, and he kind of goes back and forth between the three yeah, mics. I think the one-liners were kind of like a palate cleanser between the emotional yeah, stuff and yeah, the stand-up. Maybe. maybe. But, yeah, the, the emotional stuff just felt very – it was so personal yeah. and, like, non-applicable that I, I was – because I, I think of something like Mike Birbiglia doing Sleepwalk With Me. That that was a, a super personal story that had a narrative that I really really invested in the journey of it and learning more about his life, and maybe it's, there was there's something that was different between Microbiglia's stuff and this Neil guy's stuff. Maybe, and maybe it was just it, like you said, it felt like it was more cathartic for him versus trying to make a statement or say something interesting about his past. It was more like here's my shitty life. Look how shitty my life was. And that, I don't know, it felt selfish in a way. And I don't necessarily mean that in like a overly aggressively negative way. But it just it felt like it was about him. It wasn't about the audience, which is what stand-up should be. Mm. So, I don't know, that was my take. Yeah. We also watched another stand-up by another comedian that I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember his name. Was it that the Italian guy? No. Did we not watch that one? We didn't. The guy that was on Comedians in Cars, right? Yeah, they did little cutouts of his stand-up, which I actually didn't. I didn't think were all that funny. funny. No, but uh, yeah, he was the dude. He's kind of paunchy. He was like, he did a lot of really like dark, aggressive humor. Oh yes, we didn't expect it to be like that. Yeah. Damn, what was his name? Oh, oh, um, Segula, Segura, Fred, Frank, Segura, Ted, Todd, (laughs) Aaron, Michael, Segura, Jonathan, Segura's. Segura's his last name. Um, comedian. Yeah, I forgot about that. Tom Tom Segura. Tom Segura. Tom Segura. Yeah, he was he was really funny. That yes, I thought that was very funny. And he has a bunch of stand-ups on Netflix. That yeah, I did not anticipate it being as 
racy as it was. Because <laughs> right. he just looks like a paunchy right. dad guy. Like, I, I figured it'd be very, like, not necessarily as um, family-friendly as, like, Jim Gaffigan, but, like, that style, just, right. like, kind of straightforward, came out, comedy. came out swinging a little bit. Yeah, it was very, a lot of really aggressive, like, ooh, <laughs> like, shit whoa, kind dude. of bits. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. Yeah. Uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum, we watched a lot of Queer Eye as well. Yeah. And uh, some of the episodes in the new season, man, like, some of the people, I just didn't see them like embracing the change right yeah i felt that way. there was too. a lady uh like a, a black lady that runs this like dance yeah that rhythmic that episode i really didn't get much from her until and, like the very yeah. end i didn't really get much from her she was just really defensive about everything like and yeah. then when they like had to sit down with her and her daughters where her daughters were like tell us you love us like we don't feel loved by you and, 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 and she was of, still like, resistant yeah but like instead of like taking that to heart or being like you know oh you know I should do that more she was like oh I thought I was doing that with my actions yes and, it was and like, I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote down the quote from her at the end she's like I learned that my daughters require more love from me and that's such a shitty way to put that. Right. Because that's like saying, like, oh, I guess I have to do this because my daughters have to have it. Right. Not, like, I'm their mother. I should show them that I love them and tell them that I love them. That was <laughs> not, not – I was not a fan of that moment. No. Uh, but on the other side of the spectrum, there was the episode with the old dude. Oh, man. Who had the dog that had the passed away dog. and they got him a new oh, dog. And then he names and him And he named Fab. him Fab Five. Oh, <laughs> my heart. That was – Yes, that obviously hit me in a lot of other ways with, you know, and the And he looked so good after they, like, did his great. hair. And, oh, yeah. he looked so good. Yeah. That show is still amazing. It was just particularly that episode with that, that woman where I was like, she is not buying into this. She's not accepting responsibility for her right. actions. And that annoyed me because so many people deserve this kind of treatment and, like, self-love that they provide. And I just feel like she did She wasn't thankful for it in the way that she should have been right um and then so you think you can dance so i've been had plenty of rants about how this season of so you think you can dance has been frustrating just the way that they've shown the auditions and then cut the people immediately after and wasting our time on dancers that aren't good enough we are down to the final 10 so from now on it's going to be on the actual show where people will be voted off week to week the audience votes they do all these routines they are down to five guys and five girls. They, they had ten guys, ten girls, that they trimmed down to five of each. Of those ten, Kelly and I agreed with two of the five girls and three of the five guys. We vehemently disagreed with half of their selections. And a lot of the selections were done. It seemed like the judges had already made up their minds before the dancers did like their final routines because there was one particular instance of i think she was a ballroom dancer that did a hip-hop routine and after she did her hip-hop routine they were they like were like almost literally saying you lit you could not have done a better job like you this was as close to perfect as it could have been to get you on the show and then they didn't put her on the show so it's like they had already made up their mind before she performed. And there were other dancers that, like, they were like, we're really disappointed in this. You didn't maximize your opportunity here. I don't know. I was a yes on you, and now I'm not so sure. And then those people made it on the show. So what it's the like hell? these last dances didn't matter. And it was super frustrating, bro. 
So now we're on the live shows, and we only like half the dancers. I want to try to have an open mind, because to be fair, a lot of the final ten dancers were people we never even saw before this last episode. Even though this is like the eighth episode. It is absolutely stupid and crazy, yes. Why would they, like, why? It's so frustrating. Like, they get you invested in character and characters and people that have no chance and then ignore people that could make it on the show. Very frustrating. So, and actually, one of the girl dancers that we thought deserved to make it, we don't like. So really only four of the dancers are ones we're rooting for out of ten. So hopefully some folks change our minds. We want to have an open mind, let people grow on the show. But it's not looking great. And just the talent, the overall talent is far lower than previous seasons. Like there there are only like like I can think of one dancer who I think is like absolutely incredible. Two two dancers who are abs- a guy and a girl who are amazing. But usually there are like six people on the show that are all like holy crap, they have a chance of winning. And there are at least three dancers that I like when when they got selected I'm like oh well they're gonna get cut the first episode like they're they suck they're easily the worst and then someone else and I'm like oh this person's even worse than that person they're gonna get cut so there are like three dancers that all should be cut in the first episode Jeez. so we'll see how it do goes. they ever have people come back on the show no like that get cut and then they get to come back into the competition uh no like in a new season. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, if you don't make it onto the live shows, you can come back and audition again. And actually, one of the, the girl who is my favorite, she made it to the final cut last season. So she was, like, the last person cut before the show, and she made it onto the show this time. So she's the one I'm rooting for. There was another girl who also got really close, and a guy last season who got really close, who both of them made it to the final cut last season and the final cut this season, and Ooh. they both got cut. And it was a big bummer because I wanted both of them to make it because they are better than the other people that made it on. So a lot of it is political, right. unfortunately, to make sure that like, oh, we have to make sure we have a girl that does hip hop because not enough girls do hip hop. And so the girl that does hip hop that made it on the show sucks. And oh, we need to make sure we have a guy on here who does tap dancing because we need to make sure tap dance is represented. And the guy that made it on that's the tap dancer is a phenomenal tap dancer, but he's terrible at everything else. Okay. So he's not going to make it on. He also had a whole thing where he competed last season. He made it pretty far before the show. He came out on live television. Um, and so that was, he became like well-known because of that. And I think, I mean, he's like 18. And so I think it kind of messed him up in the head where everything he does now is like trying to be edgy and emotional and it feels very forced. Yikes. And so we are really annoyed with him. He's like, he's a teenage, fresh out of the closet, like, where he has to go overboard on all of the emotional stuff, because, like, he feels like he's, like, oh, he has to overcompensate now, because he was so sheltered before, and, like, I can't blame the kid for that, like, I I did not have that experience, I'm not gonna judge him for that, but, like, I don't care <laughs> about that, I don't care That's about so him. That's so nice. <laughs> I should say, I don't care about him on a dance competition show. Sure. Like, do a reality series, bro. Like, I don't... Yeah. And then finally, <laughs> did watch something new. So, there's a new show on Amazon that is called The Boys, which I believe is based on a comic book series, but it's kind of like a satirical take on superhero shit. I only watched the first episode because I have a child. 
Uh, and it took me two and a half hours to watch the one hour pilot of the show, which should <laughs> give you an indication of how easy it is to watch stuff when I'm being a solo dad on Saturdays. Yeah. But um, basically the concept is like superheroes are real. They're a small, like they're like 200 some in the United States, but they also make movies and shit. So it's like if the Avengers were real, but they also had a film franchise about themselves and like merchandising and stuff. So that's kind of like a satirical take on it. It's very dark. Holy shit. Is it dark? Someone gets exploded in slow motion in like the first 10 minutes there is implied rape in a scene. Yikes. One of the superheroes, his name is Translucent, and he can go invisible. And they make a joke about how translucency is not the same as being invisible. So right. you have a stupid name. But uh, he like because he can his skin be, can become invisible, so he has to be naked in order to be fully invisible. So he likes to hide in the bathroom and watch women go to the bathroom naked. Wow! In the bathroom. So yeah, it's 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 like. It's a pretty dark, edgy, weird show, but uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it so far. It's I am fascinated. I think the first season is only eight episodes, so it won't. Although if they're all an hour long, that's still a big time commitment. But uh, the main character is not a superpowered dude, but they keep talking about how he's this like technological genius. Like he works at like a Radio Shack type store. He's like really good at all the techie shit. And uh, something happens that makes him hate these superheroes. And also, the superheroes are also bad people, as I have proven. One of the superheroes rapes a girl, or at least, like, kind of forces her to suck his dick. It's implied off screen. Uh, and then there's the superhero that watches women pee naked in the bathroom. And then the main guy murders someone at the end of the first episode, or murders a couple people, including a child. So there's, like, clearly these people are all fucking fucked and i think they're building the main character to become a supervillain because he hates them now and he's like trying to take them down but is he really a supervillain exactly he's an antagonist for the protagonist heroes but i think like they're making i mean and i could be wrong he he could just end up being a dude this reminds me a lot that this reminds me a lot of the brandon sanderson calamity books that i was talking about sure how like all those people the bad guy is the protagonist all like really terrible people and like right. use their powers for their own gain and stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so it's kind of like that. The boys, the boys. And that's mm-hmm. on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, I had heard about it and saw like a trailer for it, but a lot of people have been talking about it and it's like, I think it's already Amazon's most watched show and it's only been out for two weeks. Wow. So people are like really, really hyping it up. Uh, okay. And it's good. I mean, again, I'm only in the first episode, but what they have been setting up, there are a couple of mysteries going on that I'm really interested to see how they play out. Carl Urban is in it. Uh, he played uh, Aomer in Lord of the Rings. He was okay. in the new Judge Dredd movie. He's been around. But he's he's good. He plays like a British... He says he's an FBI agent, but he clearly isn't, and he's working with the main character guy, Huey, which is a really good name for a tall, lanky, nerdy, white dude. Yeah. But uh, their relationship is really fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see where it goes. So, not a lot of new stuff, but a lot of stuff I've been watching, because that's all I can do, basically. Yeah. So, tell me about all the horror movies you've seen. Because well, <laughs> right. I'm sure there are some. So, yeah, there's like four or five horror movies that I watched, but I watched a total of 12 movies. Mm. Um, 
That's the a first lot of, in two yeah, weeks. The, the first of which, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Mm. Uh, I can tell you that that movie was a crime, but not of Grindelwald. I always, I keep forgetting that that movie exists. It is horrible and like, terrible fin- and awful. Fantastic Beasts was like mediocre and forgettable. Crimes yeah. of Grindelwald was actively bad. Like it's I, an, I wanted to not insulting. remember it. Right. I, I want it to not exist anymore. Yeah. I, I, I want it to not have happened. I'm going to have to see the rest of them just because it's a Harry Potter universe right. film. But I'm certainly not going to see them in theaters. I'm not going to no. seek them out. It'll be like you watching Crimes of Grindelwald where like a year later I'll watch it, I guess. Yeah. I'm bored. Oh, I forgot. I watched Goblet of Fire yesterday. Oh, okay. As well. That was my Saturday uh, movie. Nice. It is still the worst of those movies by a significant order of magnitude. But it's still fun. Because it's my favorite book. No, it's it's totally still fun. But it's my favorite of the books. It is easily the worst movie. Horribly directed. And the dude that plays Cedric Diggory's dad is probably the worst actor, the worst performance in any of those movies including the child actors. He is so awful. When they, he comes back from the cemetery at the end, when Cedric's dead, he comes down, he's like, he's like, my boy! My boy! <laughs> it's so terrible. I don't know. Harry, Daniel Radcliffe trying to cry over it's, this is worse. a vampire's body. Those things happen in the same moment. I know. And, and, and his dad's performance is worse. I, than, than Daniel Radcliffe's. I just nope. trust me, Kyle. I just no. watched it yesterday, no. and it, you know, I know Not it's possible. worse because Cedric's dad—he's an adult actor. Daniel Radcliffe is still like seventeen in that movie, and this is an adult professional actor. My boy, <laughs> it's so awful. So anyway, Crimes of Grindelwald. It's that bad, movie is though. garbage. Like you should watch. People should watch it because it's Harry Potter. Um, but you're not going to like it. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, we watched the nun cause this uh-huh. is like another movie that's in the conjuring, uh, horror verse, the yep. James Wan horror James verse. Yeah. Um, it was actually pretty scary. That was a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. They did like, that was, that was a, a, de- a decent one. And how it, like, is this? Re- and it makes it like, it provides a little context for, for like some of the creepiness from the second Conjuring movie, where the nun kind of first appears. Okay, that was my um, question. So th- this it is like an where, origin where the story. Where the nun comes in? Okay, yeah, the nun it. is an origin story for something that uh, is plaguing the lead lady in Conjuring Two. Okay. Um, and then we watched Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom and Liam Neeson. One of the more underrated Ridley Scott joints. It was super good. I yeah. really enjoyed it. It's an, I don't think it's incredible. Like it's not the same level as like Gladiator, like his other no. s- movies of that style that he's done. But it's perfectly good. Yeah. Um, another movie that perhaps I think he had a hand in uh, was the Robin Hood 2010 with Russell Crowe. I see. Um, I don't know if that was Ridley Scott or not. It, it said it was uh, like the director, maybe his production company, or yeah, yeah, like the director of. I think it said the director of Gladiator, I think. I, I just remember, like, vaguely the title card stuff saying something Looking like that. Looking it up. Yes, directed by Ridley Scott. Okay. That was also way better than it should have been. I agree. It was It was not... It, it wasn't I really good. I thought it was good. fine. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was it fine. Be- better than it should have been. Yes. It looked <laughs> like it was going to be bad. Absolutely. Right. But, like, I, there were a lot of really enjoyable moments. And then... Uh, 
there was uh what's her face was in it and she was really good the um she in lord of the rings she plays Kate blanchett the, yes Kate blanchett yep she was yeah, actually she really good in that too marion right yeah. yeah um that was like a fun take on it so kingdom of heaven and robin hood 2010 both super solid ridley scott joints um i watched also the 2018 robin hood movie with Ooh. taron egerton and jamie fox that looked really bad it was a horrible yeah it was, that was really a huge bad. flop yeah unsurprisingly the villain has a lisp awesome and the whole movie is very clearly a metaphor for like the evil of totalitarianism and mm-hmm. capitalism mm-hmm. and all the other isms you could possibly throw a hashtag at in 2019 uh this movie was a very uh clear metaphor for but uh, it was not very good there's a uh, also like a hey war in afghanistan is bad kind of a sequence where right. like he gets drafted like he's a young lord and he gets drafted into the military and like goes to fight in arabia but like the color tone and mm. their like uniforms and stuff it's very us soldier in iraq um okay it's yep <laughs> it's really that seems fucking stupid unnecessary extremely um for a movie it, that takes place in england <laughs> and like is not self-reverential at all right. like self like what well, it is irreverent i should say yeah um yeah that's yikes uh don't watch that one watch the other one also watch the kevin costner one because that <laughs> that robin hood is also that movie good, is great for it is reasons. also terrible yes <laughs> i know that is our that is our mom's one of her favorite movies yeah. and so we watched her, her favorite ton. quote do you remember her favorite quote i'll Cut your, Cut your eye heart out, out with a, heart a, out with a spoon. spoon. Alan Rickman. One of Alan Rickman's all-time greatest performances, though, oh, yeah. to be fair. That He's witch so still scares me. Yeah. She was creepy looking. Um, I watched Sinister 1 and 2. Uh, All right. Is this James Wan verse, or is this different? No, this is different. I don't remember much about them. <laughs> I, I, I know... So, in Sinister 1, there's it's something about, like... There's uh, the Boogle. Boogle is the name of the demon. And, Boogle? Uh, Boogle? Boogle. That is not a very scary name. And, like, the kids call him Mr. Boogie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the whole movie, I'm like, oh, Mr. Boogie coming. Mr. Boogie gonna get you. <laughs> uh, it was really dumb. And then the second movie was, like, unbelievably terrible. Like, the first movie at least had, like, some redeeming qualities to it like the end was really stupid and kind of the answer to the mystery was really dumb but uh some of the performances were okay but then the one character that they let survive who's like the worst actor in the movie he's now (laughs) the lead actor in the second movie and it's like this really loose tie it's very bad it's very very bad um yeah that's sinister one and two and then my wife and I also watched Annabelle and then Annabelle Creation, which are mm-hmm. both in the James Wan horrorverse. Right. And Annabelle. I'm Creation, guessing Annabelle Creation I, I, was a is a prequel uh, to the first Annabelle. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I like so, so I had read online that creation was kind of like a retcon for the events of Annabelle. That's not okay. true. That's hmm. not true at all. So, yeah, I remember like, well, you brought that up like, yeah. in the last podcast, I think. Like, that's not true at all. Like the hmm. first Annabelle was okay. It was alright, but Annabelle Creation was actually pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it ties directly into the events in kind of a clever way of the first Annabelle. Um so I think both of those are pretty okay solid movies. So far, the James Wanaverse is doing okay. <laughs> um, I also watched Deadpool 2. That's finally. a good movie. It was a really good movie. Not as good as the first, but that's kind of a hard thing to like yeah. do a sequel to. Yeah. Because it's such a, a unique kind of concept. Right. And it's been long enough that I can spoil it now. So the after credits sequence where... Um, the what what's her face the teenage rocket yeah, power warhead or whatever yeah she like fixes the time travel device and gives it to him and then he like goes back in time they're like five different after credits post credit sequences right. uh and so like the first one is he goes well i don't remember the order that they happened in but he goes and he saves peter the member of the x-force who has no powers mm-hmm. just like the average joe dude he goes and mm-hmm. saves peter's life but not the lives of anyone else on the X-Force. And then he goes back and, like, saves his wife, obviously. But, like, apparently that's canon. <laughs> apparently <laughs> he, he actually did go back in time and save his wife in the post credit sequence, undoing, well, like, the whole movie, which is <laughs> fucking amazing. That is amazing. That's but it so is also good. worth mentioning that Deadpool might no longer exist. Like, they right. might not make more Deadpool, which we have a new story about that as well. But, like... Yes, that's a it lot can, of fun. Can ensure, but they're gonna undo all that stuff anyway. And, and, yeah, and then the other post-credit sequences were, uh, <laughs> were Ryan Reynolds sitting down with a script for Green Lantern, and then Deadpool shoots him in the back of the head, <laughs> right, right? Which is really good. <laughs> and then also he goes back in time into the whatever that Wolverine movie was, and there's that version X-Men of X-Men Origins. X-Men Origins, yes. and there's that version of Deadpool that's horrible, and he yes. shoots him in the head, and he like, yes. shoots his body like eight times. Poor Ryan Reynolds, man. <laughs> he wanted to be in the in the like superhero stuff. He cared so much about that stuff, and then he played this like awful, bastardized version of Weapon X, Yeah, and then was able to play the actual Deadpool in the, that next movie, whatever it was. Or no, maybe it was that was the same movie where he played Deadpool, where he was like a ninja sword guy who then became Weapon X at the end, that like awful faceless thing. Yeah, yeah. And he only did that because they promised him he'd be able to do his own solo movie, which is, you know, never happened. And then right. he made this one happen on its own. And then the Green Lantern thing, which that movie was hot garbage, not because of him. He was a great house. It was Hal just Jordan. a bad movie. Yes, just a bit, like that poor guy. Love Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> so glad that he like came back into the forefront yeah. from the '90s when he was popular. That movie, Deadpool Two, was very good. Yeah, great movie. Um, and then I watched two other movies for my total of twelve. I watched The Green Zone with Matt Damon, mm-hmm. um, and that movie. Uh, I figured it was going to be pretty political because it was about like finding WMDs in Afghanistan. And then I realized that, oh, they're literally just coming out and saying that, yep. hey, the U.S. government fabricated all this shit. Yep. Like, look how fucked up we are. I um, fucking that's the whole hated movie. that movie. That's that whole movie. <laughs> that movie, like, actually pissed me off. It was so 
like, and I hate to use the phrase, but liberal propaganda bullshit. Like, it was like that Vice movie that you saw, where right. it's just like, let's make a whole movie shitting on Republicans for two hours, arbitrarily with no fact behind it, like, completely slanderous. That's what Green Zone... And I, I like, I lost a significant amount of respect for Matt Damon yeah. after the seeing The worst, Green best Zone. part of that movie, though, is that it's actually kind of a decent movie. Like, it's like a decent I, one of those movies, but, like, the, the content, I, like, I was like, what the hell are we doing here, guys? What are we I mean, doing? I, I saw it in theaters. I think I went with dad randomly. Like we were just oh, like hanging man. out. And I went bet to dad see a movie. didn't like that. Yeah, and it was <laughs> it, that movie pissed me off. So I, I couldn't tell you what even the actual story or like how, what the quality because it was. I mean, when did that movie come out? Like the mid two thousands. Yeah, it's pretty so, old. Yeah, I, um, uh, that, that movie. Oh, I forgot about that movie. <laughs> I was like, like watching just kind of in awe of the audacity. Yes. Uh, I was like, because wow. I love wow. Matt Damon. Yeah, like, Matt Damon's one of those actors I will see any movie that he is in. Oh yeah, and I fucking hated that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last movie I watched was the Red Sea Diving Resort with Chris Evans. Just this came is out new on Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, really, really good. Um, it's about uh, it's it's based on a, a true story. So it's obviously like highly dramatized, but it's uh, basically there are. This gentleman who is Jewish um, is working with the Israeli government to uh, go into um, oh, it's in Sudan, but they're refugees from somewhere else, um, just like refugees from Africa, I think, uh, that mm-hmm. are being killed for being Jewish, and just because like the people, the th- there's like a genocide going on in Africa, and they're fleeing to Sudan. But the whole deal is, like, Sudan is getting, like, stipends from the United Nations based on how many refugees they have. And so, like, they're really just doing it for the money. And so, like, they're treating the refugees poorly. They're not giving them food or water. And their conditions of living are terrible. So they want to flee Sudan. So this gentleman is helping these African Jews uh, to get to Jerusalem. So he's, like, smuggling them out. He's working with the Israeli government. And so, like, they come up with this idea to use this uh, abandoned hotel resort in the Sudan as like a front for um, having like a team of people there that are getting people out uh, by sea Um, because like Sudan is or like yeah Sudan is like landlocked but except for like this one part of it or whatever that the resort is on and so it's just a lot of like kind of how they go about that and you know the dangers of it and like almost being discovered and then being discovered and then there's like one final big thing but it was really good uh it was really enjoyable chris evans character is kind of like a dick but then he hmm. comes around a bit towards the end um and like, i think his supporting actors are okay uh discount jennifer lawrence is in it um <laughs> is, but, is that uh, an actual actress or just because she looks a little bit like jennifer lawrence no she's discount jennifer lawrence uh she looks a lot like jennifer lawrence but i assume you don't have to pay her as much like um, but has she been in things that jennifer lawrence has been in no Oh, I just, she just looks just so, in this movie. She's just like, hey, you know, it would be awesome if we had J-Law. We can't really afford it, but this chick looks a lot like her. Uh, and <laughs> she's good. And she's good. I forget what her name is. Um, uh, she, she, Haley, she's oh, Haley Bennett? Yeah. She's great. She's a great actress. Yeah, she was that's in what I'm Gone saying. Girl. She's really good. Yeah. Um, Girl on the train, rather. Not Gone Girl. But uh, in a very insensitive way, I refer to her as uh, discount Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> I think, she, well, Jennifer Lawrence is a good actor, but I, this chick, I think, is great. Yeah, I think she's really good. 
She does look um, a little bit like Jennifer Lawrence. She's way more attractive. You think so? Yes, personally. This this girl is like insanely beautiful. Haley Bennett. I, okay. Personal personal taste. Hey. She like she I think she's like stunningly good looking. All right. Not like super smoking hot type, but like holy shit, people are this attractive kind of look. All right. To each their own, Charlie's their own. Um so yeah, those are the movies I watched. So out of out of them, I would if you like horror movies, I recommend The Nun. I recommend mm-hmm. Sinister One, Annabelle and Annabelle Creation. And then out of the other movies, I recommend Kingdom of Heaven and Robin Hood twenty ten, Deadpool two, and the Red Sea Diving Resort. If you can separate yourself from the politics of the green zone, I think no. it's like a fun action movie. No. And it's no, some it's, fun Matt Damon stuff. No, it's I totally said if you can separate yourself. No, but even it's totally forgettable just as a movie. Who cares? There's tons of other movies that are like that that are way better. Yeah, but if you've seen a lot of those like I have, then it's another one. Well, we appreciate your recommendations on movies <laughs> that are a decade old. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Maybe it flew under the radar because of... Uh, political leanings sure there you go (laughs) kingdom of heaven definitely doesn't get the respect it deserves that movie no yeah i really enjoyed it um yeah and like the 2010 robin hood yeah i'll watch russell crowe do what the fuck ever he's fun to watch too sure except for in les mis well did you see the new les mis he was so bad in that movie yeah i mean he can't sing which is part of the problem i also think les mis is just bad um, I like but, it. I'm I, people. I mean, a lot of people are like it's one of the best musicals of all time. I think it's I'm horribly sure up I, its own ass. Yeah, I, I'm not on that side of it, but like, I think it is a. I've, I enjoy the music. I think it's really powerful. Oh, music see, I don't like the music. Story. All right, but again, to each their own. Right. <laughs> Cast Haley Atwell in Les Mis. <laughs> it's a win for me. All right, Haley Bennett. Sure. What did I say? Haley Atwell. Oh yes, she will come up later. Okay. She plays Peggy Carter in the Marvel movies. Oh, okay. Um, that's why she was also in an episode of Black Mirror. Gotcha. If you watched, you you have you not? You I watched, not watched the one episode. My wife keeps trying to get me to watch Black Mirror, and I just don't want to. You watched the first one, right? The National yeah, the Anthem pig. One with the pig. Yeah, that's a that's a rough. One. That's a rough one. <laughs> but like, I, I I hear like all of the ones that are really good are also rough, and all the ones that aren't good are rough for different reasons. So it's like, eh. Yes, I mean, and I've said this. There are more bad episodes of Black Mirror than there are good episodes. Or I should say, there are less great episodes than not great episodes. Not all of the not great ones are bad. But every episode, with the exception of two, is worth watching. The f- one, the first one that is not worth watching is like very political, and it's just, ter- it's just bad. It's just bad writing, bad acting. And then the one in the recent season. Right. With, uh, what's her face? Yeah. <laughs> I still can't believe how awful that episode was. Like, I cannot believe people were like, hell yeah, dude, we are nailing this. <laughs> this is exactly what we should do. <laughs> Alright. Okay. I, like, don't know how to transition into this. So, news. We actually have a decent amount of news. Not all of it is good. But it's worth talking about at least. Um, shootings are bad. That's that's my best transition here. Um, okay. So we do not need to talk about all of that stuff. 
it is relevant for video games in a couple of ways that we should talk about because it is relevant. And I feel like we would be doing a disservice if we didn't at least talk about it. So President Trump, after these recent shootings, has come out and blamed video games as being a big part of why these are happening. He's wrong. Like, objectively, factually, is incorrect. There have been dozens of studies that have found no links between video game violence and real-life violence, but why do you need facts when you're the president of the United States? But specific to things that are happening now, ESPN was going to be airing a an Apex Legends tournament on ESPN2. They have now postponed it. Originally, they had kind of canceled it, and they have come back and said, like, oh, we're going to air it in, like, October. So basically, they're like... We're going to wait until people forget about mass shootings again, and then we'll air it, which is a pretty fucking shitty move. Yeah. Uh, And Walmart has decided to remove posters and promotional materials of video games with guns in them. Walmarts are still selling guns. Yeah. And they have said, like, oh, we're taking this video game stuff down out of respect for the recent shootings. Okay. We're also having a big flash sale on guns. Buy one rifle, get a pistol free. Like, are you fucking serious? This is the world we're living in. I can't. We can't. Of course, we can't do this. We can't do this. So, I'm gonna link in the show notes a really good op-ed piece on Game Informer that uh, I'm I mostly like because it links to a lot of the studies that have been done. So, if you are curious about what has been done. Or you are, like most people, hearing others blaming video games for mass murders because what the fuck? Like, seriously? If you are hearing this and want some evidence to back up the fact that those people are fucking idiots and wrong, this article will have a lot of links to that stuff. This is basically a case, like, video game... This this always happens. Bad stuff in the world happens... And old people blame things that they don't understand. First, it was rock and roll music. Well, it's not, it it's not just old people. It's like, People fear what they don't understand. And video games as a new medium is an easy scapegoat. I was speaking specifically to politicians who are usually older demographics. Sure. So, because, you know, it was uh, rock and roll music and comic books. And then it was television. And now it's video games. This too shall pass. I hope. The reality is politicians, the reality is that the NRA is a multi-billion dollar business and they pay politicians in the form of support for campaigns to maintain and create policy that benefits gun makers. So of course politicians are going to blame things other than guns for problems that are caused by people having easy access to guns. There is a big infographic that Vox published that has been making the rounds that shows it's basically a bar chart of video game consumption by country in the world. And next to it, violent shootings by country. The same comparisons. The United States is ranked number three in terms of video game consumption behind South Korea and China, I believe. Um, And lots of other, you know, Canada, the UK, Japan are all on that list. The similar chart that shows violent shootings. It, the United States is off the chart. No other, like in that chart, 
United States takes up the whole fucking thing. Most of the other countries, you can barely even see the bar graph. It is so small. Including China and Korea, which are both above the United States in video game consumption. So if you want evidence that video games are not causing this violence, that is the only evidence that you need. We are the third highest consumption of video games, and it is not even close. We are like 10,000% higher rates of violence than any other country in the world. So how is there a correlation to video game consumption? It's It's an American problem. There is literally no reason, like literally no facts that you can point to that support this. If you want to know the difference between the United States and the other countries that are on that bar chart where the U.S. is off the charts and the other countries are very, very small, the the biggest difference? Gun regulation. Hmm. I wonder if there's some sort of cause and effect there. Let's move on. Yeah. I... Um... Yeah. This... Yeah, like I said... I think we would be doing a disservice if we did not at least mention it for people that are hearing about this but don't know stuff about it. I absolutely recommend you checking out the Game Informer article I'm going to link because it has a lot of the studies that have been done if you want to learn more, if you feel like you need to defend this medium against people that are using it as a scapegoat. This shit has to stop. And uh, people just need to be more educated. Like it literally takes five minutes of research to see that there is no correlation but people are lazy and it is what it is. Yeah. And just like full disclosure, this is the only thing I will say. Um, I knew the shooter in Dayton and um, I am not in a place where I would like to talk about it. So I am more than happy to, move on because I agree with everything that you have said yes there is a different level of attachment especially for you but also like he went to the high school that I went to and it was in our hometown and it's fucked up and that makes me more angry and passionate about people blaming the wrong things right same. when they they should be blaming gun regulation they should be blaming the sorry state of mental health awareness and education in this country and the media fetishization of murderers that we need to know all the intimate details of these people that do these horrible things when instead they their names should be stricken from history that is that is one of the largest ways like that is one of the biggest reasons these things happen is because these people are looking for attention in some capacity and we are giving it to them And so other people that have similar thoughts are saying, hey, my name can go down in the history books by doing this. And if we instead never talked about these people's names, never gave them media marketing monikers like Son of Sam or all that shit. If we ignored and pretended like these people did not exist, I think that would make a difference. But no, playing Call of Duty turns you into a serial killer. That's what the president wants us to believe. Feel like we're living in a cartoon. All right. 
more bad news, but hey, all the rest of this stuff that's all bad, yeah, doesn't seem it's bad when you trivial as shit now. <laughs> who could possibly care that? Well, actually, I, I know exactly who would care about this next story, but because uh, it, it's really messed up, but. it is. Yes. Uh, so recently, it came out that in both 2018 and 2019, contact details for E3 attendees were compromised. This was for, like, PDO, people with media badges, exhibitor badges. I'm not sure if attendees were included, but it's, like, uh, people with special so. passes <laughs> and stuff. Like, YouTubers yeah. and Twitch streamers and stuff that were attending had their contact and their personal information accessible. Which, and the the part that's really bad about this is, like, the bigger media corporations, like, they were... I was listening to some other people talk about it, and I guess, like, the information they had to provide is, like, a business address, which is not as... Right like threatening but a lot of these like like pro- yeah like like the smaller like let's say cody and i still had casuals going on like we were still uploading to that site and writing articles and stuff and we went we would have had to put our home address because we don't have an office address mm-hmm. like we don't have a business address so all these a lot of these people were putting their home addresses on this stuff expecting their personal information to be protected and now like whoever you know like joe schmo serial killer like could have their address and there are already people who are like getting a lot of threats that include their home address and like because there like there are people who say contentious things in the media yep that uh hey big shocker uh general public or vocal minority don't appreciate um because why would you have discourse on an opinion that uh differs from your own why not just kill them um so that that's that's uh, there are already a lot of documented cases uh, about that having happened uh to uh to a lot of games media uh, and content creators so um that's obviously super fucked up and then it also came out that the lists from 2004 and 2006 were also uh not protected yes so well that i that i think had come out Back then. It's just like yet another example of this okay. shit happening. I could be misremembering, but I think that we are we already knew that that had happened in 2004, 2006. But okay. it's just like when the ESA is already under fire in multiple ways. Like obviously they're super on the defensive about all this video game violence stuff. And they're already like E3 is already going through this weird transition where big publishers are pulling out. Attendance was down compared to previous years. Like, they're already in bad shape, and now it's coming out that, hey, also, all the people that are keeping us relevant, aka the media, the content creators, etc., we just fucked you over and put you at risk. Like, obviously, this, the example that you give of, piece of like shitty people going after them, that's, like, way worse and realistic but even if you take that stuff out of it it's still like now some random media person can be spamming your home address with promotional materials and shit like right. telemarketing you like even that level of it is fucking like why like how does this stuff ha- how does this happen that's that's right. my question like how do you not have better security and like safeguards in place to protect the people that are Keeping your keymark event afloat. In more ESA news, uh, 
this is actually good news. Oh, I was yeah. kind of I was trying to order it and like let's get all the bad news out of the way, but this one because it was such an important story, I left it near the top. So this is actually good news. The ESA has announced at a recent um, FTC panel that Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo have all made uh, are all going to be implementing requirements for publishers to disclose the odds of loot boxes in games. So this is not outright banning loot boxes or like random you know boxes in games but at least displaying in something they haven't just said where yet or how right but like displaying what your odds are of getting this the things from there um that's where my cynicism comes in to say like this could very easily be something where they just need to put it in their like end user license agreement there that is already like 40 pages long and they just add a little addendum that has it where no one is going to ever see it that's my cynical view of how this is going to be implemented. It is something, but that's meaningless. Like 1% of people look at that. Hopefully it's something that's actually displayed on the store page, or at least right. like on the store page, it has a link where you can see the odds. That's what I think should happen. There's no specific date for implementing all this stuff. They're targeting 2020. Um, but a lot of independent big publishers, like I know Activision was on the list. I think maybe Epic was on the list. Um, so a lot of big publishers independently were already saying we're going to start doing this now. Yeah. So Elder Scrolls this, Blades already does that on does their it? chests and stuff. Yeah. What does that look like? Um, so it says like, hey, if you get this tier chest, you're guaranteed this, this, and this, and you have a chance of getting mm. one to three of this or yeah. two to ten of this. Yeah. Yeah. Mass Effect Three did that. Yeah. Way back in 2013. Yeah, they always had on their loot boxes like guaranteed two rares, whatever, higher chance for ultra rares, etc. Right. That stuff shouldn't be like that, and it isn't. Thankfully, it it, it isn't being uh, contended from publishers. But that's so like that. That's nothing. Like that's not a big deal to have to implement that kind of thing. It should be right. fairly easy and like low, low lift for them to have to do that stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the title the title that I wrote of this sto- news story is Andrew Wilson doesn't think people want to play EA games on Switch which sounds stupid because it is but that's basically like his argument they had a big uh, investors call like they always do every quarter and EA in the past had had a big publishing deal with Nintendo on the Wii U and it certainly didn't go that great because the Wii U didn't sell well the ports were bad quality like it fell apart and so in this earnings call, Andrew Wilson, who's the CEO of EA, he was asked why like something like The Sims wasn't on Switch. Switch is selling well. It's an it's a multiplayer game. It has a lot of microtransactions and added revenue. Like this seems like a slam dunk. Why wouldn't you put it on there? It's a really popular franchise. And Andrew Wilson said that based on their data, most people that own a Switch also own a PS4 or an Xbox and therefore would rather play EA games on those platforms compared to Switch. And, like, I get that argument. I do. Because if I look at it on a high level, like, if I think of, like, a shooter or a multiplayer game or a more, like, intense story-driven game, like, look at something like the new Star Wars Jedi game that's coming out. I am I would not play that on Switch when I can play it on my PS4 Pro. That, that's right. stupid. But a game like The Sims... That is very pick-up-and-drop kind of game. Right. It doesn't require a lot of finesse with the controls. Like, that seems like it's very on-the-go friendly. I would probably rather play that game on Switch than on a home console. 
So his last point, I think, makes the most sense. Uh, yes. He also mentioned that Nintendo's online infrastructure uh, is not good enough to support their live game, DLC, other user-generated content stuff that EA does around The Sims. Right. It's so, like that part makes the most sense it to does. me. Because like, they don't want to release like a stripped-down version of the game that doesn't have those things, like those extra monetization options, because that makes it like less likely for them to make the bigger profit. Um, like that makes the most sense to me. Like I feel like that's the thing you should say first right like hey nintendo's online infrastructure just doesn't support the way that we want to continue supporting the game and like you would have restricted access to a lot of content it would be a lesser version of the game or or, you know they're more uh uh amicable language around that but like i feel like that's the thing you should say first and then back it up with also we have a lot of data points that say that Switch owners also own these other systems, right? Like, that should have been your first point, not your follow-up point. Right. And, and I do understand that perspective. I still would say that, like, there's a way to make it work. And I feel like they're leaving money on the table. And, like, big video game publishers are super risk-averse, which is why we see so many sequels. Yeah. And so many, like, big AAA games where, like, if a couple of big AAA games fail... These companies are fucking wiped out. Like, look at Bioware, man. Bioware is hanging on a thread because they had two games come out that weren't well-received. This is one of the, the like, most hailed video game developers in the history of the industry. And two bad games, and that people are, like, genuinely concerned that EA is going to shut them down. Like, these big publishers cannot lose bets that they make. So from that perspective, I get why they're not willing to take the risk necessarily, but I still feel like there's a way to make it work and it would be good for their consumers objectively. Yeah. Um, I also wonder if the size of The Sims is a problem because there's so much additional add-on content. I wonder if the install size is also something they're considering because Maybe. like there are, there's just so much. The Sims 4 is yeah. such a big game now. Yeah, that's true. Um I don't know. Uh, he had also pointed to poor sales of FIFA and Fee on Switch. But, like, that is also kind of a shit argument because Fee is a bad game and it didn't sell well on other consoles. So it's not weird that it didn't sell well on Switch. And FIFA, I don't play FIFA, so I don't care. But, like, I was looking into it and a lot of people are like, that port onto Switch was really low quality. Like, it was a poorly done port. So this is his example of, like, people would rather play FIFA on their Xbox or their PS4. And it's like, well, yes, but that's because the Switch game is a worse version of the game. And that's not Nintendo's fault. Like, you guys did a bad job porting it. So it just seems like like kind of circular logic in a lot of cases. And a lot of, like, causation not equaling correlation sort of things. Uh, And it's also really easy to bag on EA because everybody hates them. Because they're a bad company. Like, to be fair. Do they deserve to be consistently America's most hated company? No. There are companies that are way worse than EA, (laughs) that have a way bigger impact on our lives than video games, but they're certainly a bad company. (laughs) Um, All right, here's another fucking weird one that this, I went through very like parabolic uh, feelings as I was looking into this story. So it first came out that 2K is currently investigating a YouTuber slash Twitch streamer because he's been leaking a lot of Borderlands 3 details. And the immediate 
internet reaction because he has been posting stuff of like, hey, like, I'm just accessing the stuff that's out there. Like, there was an extension on Twitch that linked to the YouTube video that let me go into, like, test files where I saw, like, names of characters and areas and, like, I was able to access that stuff. And so everybody, because people hate Gearbox because of Randy Pitchford, people hate big video game companies, they're just shitting on 2K, like... Hashtag boycott there's no way that, 3. There's, there's no way that random YouTube dude could be lying. Yes, exactly. So everybody jumps on the bandwagon to defend this dude against this big corporation. And it seems like actually that like, he's in the wrong. And people are now, because they've already planted their flag, unwilling to admit that they were wrong in jumping to right. conclusions. So basically the story is that back in April, this dude revealed Borderlands 3 stuff that had not been announced. And uh, said that he had found it through a Twitch extension that 2K itself had published, which allowed him to look at a lot of the game's testing files, which would imply no wrongdoing. It was 2K's mistake of putting this extension and making it available. 2K went on a 10-month investigation of this, including sending, like, private investigators to his house to investigate him and ask him questions, which that is where a lot of people were like, holy, this is fucked up of them to do this and, like, invading his privacy and going to his home. But... Apparently, that extension was private. It was not public like he is claiming it was, which means he would have had to hack into the back end of Twitch in order to access it, which is against the law and against their user agreement of Twitch. He was also publishing details back in 2018 before the game had even been announced, and there would be there was literally no way for him to access any game files anywhere because they did not exist which implies that someone had broken an NDA and talking to him, which again is against agreements that people make. Right. Um, He had a perk on YouTube for if you like sponsored his YouTube channel that he would get you into a private discord channel where he'd give you like additional secret info, which is just shitty in general, but also violates discords policies so they shut down his discord (laughs) twitch has since shut down his twitch channel i think his youtube channel i don't know if it was it was shut down but he started deleting all of his borderlands videos etc because he's being investigated obviously so he's like seems like he's super in the wrong like he broke the law in accessing these files broke an nda with people to publish stuff that he should not have been publishing lied to a bunch of people yeah he's lying to, to these investigators about what's happening and the public and yet people are still defending him instead. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> just the the sheep, the internet sheep, man. No, just jump but, on the hot take bandwagon. But the, the, the corporation is bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag boycott Borderlands 3. No, I'm buying it. I already pre-ordered it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here's, oh man, like, there's so many bummer news stories, dude. So, Annapurna Pictures, which is a film production company slash distribution company, they put out films like Her, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, recently Sorry to Bother You, which is super critically acclaimed, it has Oscar buzz, they, um, recently lost their marketing president, and their film chief, and there are a bunch of media rumors that they're like looking into filing for bankruptcy. This company was started by Megan Ellison, who is the seventh richest person in the world, which is nuts. Uh, and again, it's super like they're putting out really critically acclaimed films, but they've had a couple of recent flops, 
and uh, they dr- recently dropped two of their movies. They were pr- d- uh, producing a movie that J Lo is in called I think called Hustlers. Maybe it's about like prostitutes and or strippers or something. I watched the trailer. I should say I watched half the trailer because it looked awful. So I'm not <laughs> surprised they dropped it because it looked really terrible. But anyway, they're in financial trouble. She is claiming Megan Ellison is claiming that it, everything is fine. She put out a big email to all of her employees, like saying. Hey, I'm sorry that all this stuff is going on. I att- I attract a lot of media attention because of my wealth, and it's unfair because people are looking into stuff where they should not. We're totally fine. Like trying to reassure. You can take her word or not. The bigger part is like Annapurna Pictures also has a video game division, Annapurna Interactive, who has been crushing it the last yeah. couple of years. They put out Outer Wilds this year. They put out What Remains of Edith Finch. Last year, they put out Florence and Donut County. Like, they're putting out a lot of really, really awesome indie games. And obviously, if their parent company went under, probably safe to assume that their uh, video game company would also be in trouble. The video game company on Twitter has been saying, like, hey, we're fine. Everything's fine. But it would just be a really big bummer, like, if this went this yeah. way. Because, because they make a lot of really great movies. They make a lot of really great video games. It would suck if they went down. Um so yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. They're they're an indie sort of. They're one of those like mid market uh, companies that does a lot of indie stuff and gives them a lot more attention, like Finji does with games and stuff. Like right. Finji does a lot of really good games too. So it would just be. It's really like we'd lose a lot of really creative, high quality games if this happened, and movies too. Crash Team Racing has added microtransactions, which is fucked up for them to just out of nowhere add them with no announcement after all the reviews have gone out they said this was going to be coming though like a little while ago they said they were going to be adding them in a future update did they yeah i I knew that this was going to be happening huh but they announced it after the game was out and after all the reviews and stuff has yes it was announced after the game was out and the reviews were published but this wasn't just hey an update happened and now there's Loot boxes. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't mean. I, I meant without like it being part of the promotion of the game. Correct. So the game's currency are called Wumpa coins. Uh, the progression. I haven't played the game. I have read a lot of people were complaining about the progression and doling out the Wumpa coins really slowly, where it felt like trying to get you to play the game way more than you should in order to get the Wumpa coins to like buy the customizations and stuff and characters and whatnot. And so as part of this, they you can now buy Wumpa coins with real money. And so now people are like, okay, now we understand why the progression was so borked. It's because they want you to buy Wumpa coins because it takes so long to earn them in game, which again is extra shitty. Uh, part of this release also added a new character and a map and a bunch of other items that can either be earned in game or purchased with via Wumpa coins. To be fair, it seems like the Wumpa coins are only used for cosmetics, but it's still pretty shitty to not mention this. Like, as people, like, as the, you know, media cycle is ramping to wait until all the reviews have been published to put in microtransactions, it, it's just like. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. And that's pretty fucked. They knew they were circumventing the, like, the review zeitgeist. Yeah. Speaking of Activision, we can move into some, like, positive news. They recently said in an earnings call 
that uh, their recent remasters, the Spyro collection, the Crash collection, Crash Team Racing, have all been really successful. And they're super open to doing more remasters, as well as creating new games in these much-beloved IPs. So, like, creating a new Crash game or a new Spyro game. I'm not sure, honestly, in those two particular instances, what those would look like. Because a lot of that is based on nostalgia. And, like, Spyro in particular, like, it looks like a brand new game graphically but mechanically it's you could it's very outdated and f- it's still fun but it's a very old game and you can tell so i'm not sure like what they would make a new spyro game like but anyway made me think like what are old activision franchises and games that i would like to see remastered or see a new entry in them and i went on wikipedia and was looking at like hey what are all the activision games and i quickly realized that I don't like a lot of... <laughs> there, there aren't a lot of Activision games that I'm, like, super psyched on. The ones that I came up with were the old Call of Duty games, like 1 through 3. Those are all HD very good. Master Collection. Modern Warfare 2 has been rumored for a really long time, which I that think would make sense. That should absolutely happen. They made all of the Spider-Man games, like Shattered Dimensions and uh, Web of Shadows and stuff, which were all, like, okay. They weren't awesome, but they were fine. Sure, make a remastered collection. Why not? Uh, I feel like you can't uh, do that after the new Spider-Man game came out. Like the standards for that. You are, are very probably now. right. You are probably right. But those games are really different because they're not open world. Like they're not big Spider-Man yeah. Two style. They're more oh, that's true. story and kind of action driven. Um, but you 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 still are probably right after that Insomniac game. The Tenchu games, which were good, that it was rumored for a while that. From Software is making a new Tenchu, but then right. it was Sekiro. Um, X-Men Legends? After Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 just got made, you could make an X-Men Legends game, which is basically like the same, the same thing, thing yeah. but kind of better, actually. I liked X-Men Legends more. Okay, uh, I just thought it was a better game. And then they made a bunch of Star Wars games, which they probably can't do anymore. Right. Like they did Republic Commando. Which the Republic Jedi, Commando the is games. so good. It Republic deserves, great. It deserves it, but it's no longer canon. So it's like fair. How do you? That is also how do you true. really do that? Yeah, that's also true. So yeah, I, it was more so just like, oh, it would be fun to see what Activision games. And then after looking, I was like, oh, not many. <laughs> like I'm not that interested in many of the Activision yeah. games. Maybe what they do is Activision presents Star Wars Legends, <laughs> Star Wars right. Republic Commando, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> or something. Um, Some. But I, I would totally on. play a remastered trilogy of the first three COD games. Yeah. Um, I would definitely play that. Those games, though, had the, like, enemies respawn infinitely yes. thing. So maybe don't do that. Yes, that's a bad mechanic. Uh, Destiny. Their free-to-play New Light mode and Shadowkeep have been delayed a couple of weeks. Supposed to release on September 17th, now targeting October 1st. It is a bummer for people that care, but... At the end of the day, if it's going to make the game better, that's fine. Um, the raid, which always comes out a couple days after it releases, is now coming on October 5th, where they're doing their like world-first streaming, etc. They didn't really give a big reason why, other than just saying, like, we need more time. Since we came out on our own, we're having more difficulties in figuring all this stuff out, so we just need a little bit more time. They've still said that the cross-save stuff is happening this summer. Um, they did talk a little bit more about how that's going to work on PC, uh, where, like, you can start to import your saves over to steam i guess or yes over to steam and then you can actually do the cross save stuff after shadow keep launches i think is how that goes 
And then, like I mentioned, as I've been playing, there are moments of triumph stuff that they're doing that's been extended to September 17th. So at least people have extra time to do all that yeah. time-wasting, grinding <laughs> right. your gear. And I guess, uh, I guess it's worth mentioning that the uh, Stadia doesn't release until November. Right. and that Because that's supposed to release with Destiny right. and Shadowkeep. So this probably still doesn't affect, affect that it. timetable. Yeah. Although, could be a reason why they're delaying this is because they're putting more development efforts into the Stadia it's stuff. True. It's possible. That could be. Uh, so this is this is an interesting one that I really did not expect to ever see. Yeah. They are releasing a definitive edition of the complete Telltale's Walking Dead series. It's being put out by Skybound Games, who finished up uh, the, the final season after Telltale went defunct. Um, I'm surprised they were able to make this happen. I guess that was part of them acquiring the rights and finishing out as they got the access to all the old stuff. Right. It's coming out September 10th. There will be an on-disc version of this for $50. It includes a bunch of remastered visuals. Uh, has all four seasons, including the 400 Days one-shot, the Michonne miniseries. So I think it's like 28 total episodes, um, they said in the, in the little trailer. So it's a, it's a cool thing. Yeah, it's um, a good value prop. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I, I mean, I loved the first season, obviously. Yeah. I played 400 Days. I thought it was okay. I played like half of season two and then fell off, and that's it. So I haven't okay. played Michonne. I haven't Michonne played the other seasons. Um, I have all of them, I think, but I could be wrong. I don't have but the like, final season, but I I could see myself replaying this. In, if in this a world, comes out on Switch, I think I would like to get it for Switch. Interesting. I would be a little afraid of playing it on Switch because their engine is already so shitty. <laughs> like I feel like it would only make it that much worse playing it on the Switch. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I don't know. They got the Telltale Minecraft to work on Netflix. Mm. That's true. Although that's um, all streaming, so that's all yeah. there running the processing on that. But but in a world where I was able to play games, like I could see myself being interested in reliving the first season and actually seeing everything else through. $50, like it's not a bad value prop for the quantity of content, but yeah. it still is a little steep to be replaying some of this stuff for me personally. Okay. Cyberpunk 2077 is getting a card game. So a video game based on a board game is getting a card game adaptation, basically. <laughs> Sounds right. Which is funny. Uh, they said specifically like this isn't a tabletop game because that would be absurd to make a tabletop game based on a video game based on a tabletop game. Like that's like one layer too far. <laughs> but uh, it's coming out in 2020. It's being made by the dude that made the Bloodborne card game, which apparently people really liked. So that's fun. Cyberpunk, it seems like a world that is well built that could justify this. I know you are far more into the tabletop card game stuff than me. Any interest? Yeah. I just like cyberpunk doesn't interest me as much as like fantasy Fantasy. does. Yeah. And I'm already like so deep into D and D and like my buddy, Mm. my wife and I are playing Gloomhaven. He's actually coming over today after the podcast to play Gloomhaven. Like we're just so deep into that stuff that I would not, I'm also not super into card games, so I don't know that I would, really be interested in this but in the core cyberpunk tabletop game i don't know that i would ever play it yeah uh okay so we talked about deadpool and how he fits in the marvel universe now yeah the director of deadpool 2 has said that he doesn't think de- a new deadpool would need to be rated r I, I think that's just him. Disagree. I think that's just him saying, but, but please it'd be nice god if let us make another deadpool, deadpool 3 <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
I really uh, liked all of yeah. the fourth wall breaking stuff about the uh, in the second Deadpool about the first Deadpool movie. Yes. About and like at the beginning of the, <laughs> the the opening credits, how they're all like, I can't believe we're making another Deadpool. Like written yeah. by, I can't believe we're making another Deadpool movie and like yeah. stuff like that. It was very fun. Uh, so as as part of Marvel's Phase Four plans, when they announced that, which we talked about last episode, uh, they kind of teased or potentially teased how the X-Men might fit in with the multiverse stuff. Uh, did not mention Deadpool at all, which was interesting because those movies have been very successful, yeah. especially compared to like how bad the X-Men movies have been by and large and how disappointing, especially like the new, the newest one, Dark Phoenix, the last one was a huge flop. Uh, but Deadpool has been really strong. People love oh, those movies. <laughs> I'm sorry. That moment, Deadpool too, <laughs> where he's like, Seriously, these are the only X-Men that we can get in this movie? That's yeah. all we can afford? And then the camera like pans over and there's all the They're actual all like, X-Men? Yeah. And Beast just like, slowly door. closes yeah. the door. <laughs> that was really good. Oh, man. So good. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing behind this is that Disney does not do R-rated movies. None of the Marvel movies have been rated R. I personally do not see how really Deadpool can work not being rated R. Right. They did that like Christmas re-release of Deadpool 2 that was more family-friendly. I think that was, like, rated PG-13. Wait, really? Yeah. I don't That's remember what weird. it was called. It was like, Once Upon a Time in Deadpool or something like that. I don't remember what it was called. Huh. But uh, it was successful. People liked it. Um, I don't know. It's my personal thing. Deadpool is the crassest superhero there is. Yeah. So to strip it down and make it PG-13 feels disingenuous. And, like, not on brand for the character. Right. So maybe there's a way that they could make it work. Um, there have been rumors about doing a Deadpool and Blade crossover. Where, in that case, they could, like, make him not part of the Marvel Universe. And then they could justify an R rating, maybe. Because he's, like, separate in his own thing. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully they find a way to make it rated R. Because I think it should be rated R. Yeah. More info on Marvel's What If series that we talked about as part of the Phase 4 stuff. It is animated, which we speculated about last time. Um, And they talked about a bunch of returning voice actors, which kind of gives a little indication of what some of the storylines will be. And there are way more people returning to do voices than I would have imagined. So, Haley Atwell, who I mistakenly said instead of Haley Bennett. So, she played Agent Carter in the Captain America movie. She had her own Agent Carter spinoff on ABC. I think went two seasons. And then got canceled. Uh, Sebastian Stan, who was Bucky Barnes, a lot of other people that were in the World War II cap stuff, like the guy that the the guy that played the Doctor, um, the dude from Band of Brothers that plays the dude with the mustache, the blonde guy. Yeah, uh, a bunch of people from there. So probably going to do something World War II related with Captain America. That's a what if of like maybe what if Bucky became Cap or what if Peggy became Captain America, something like that. Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, and Jeff Goldblum are all going to do voices, so there'll be something Thor Ragnarok related. I think Taiki, um, uh, what's his face, Taiki Waititi is also doing the voice of his Rock Krog guy. Is that what his name is, Krog? Um, Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas, so do something Ant Man related. Chadrick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther. Josh Brolin, Samuel L. Jackson are doing voices. A bunch of the secondary characters from Guardians of the Galaxy, the like uh, Ravagers, is that what they were called? The, like, red jacket guys that Peter Quill was part of, that Yondu ran. Oh. I think they're called the Ravagers. Okay, yeah. A bunch of those dudes um, are doing voices. And uh, Mark Ruffalo and your favorite Jeremy Renner 
are also going to come back mm. to do voices. So it's like, with the exception of like some Jeremy of the big Ryan. guys where it doesn't make sense, <laughs> like where like no Robert Downey Jr., no right. Chris Pratt or uh, yeah Chris, Chris Pratt Evans. or Chris Evans. A lot of other folks are coming back. Like I'm surprised to see Chris Hemsworth on this list. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that should be cool. I honestly, I don't know. I get why they want the actors to play the characters and the animated stuff. I am hoping that they do more with the what ifs than just what if versions of the stuff we've already seen. Like I would, I want to see them do something like totally different. I'm having trouble thinking. I feel of like, like they what did cool really crazy stuff with Into the Spider Verse. Like they explored more of that. Yeah, like some of the crazy comic stuff with that. So I feel like they're not opposed to doing that. But that was Sony. Oh, that's true. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and no, and I'm not saying that they're, that they're necessarily opposed to doing that. It's just it feels like they're doing this to get people that are that love the movies to watch it. Versus, how can we be creative with what if and have that be the starting point? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, which doesn't like. You know, what I just listed, that's like six episodes. So I'm sure there's plenty of other examples. But, like, I would love to see it if, like, what if the Ancient One was Doctor Strange? That that might be a bad example, too. Because that's still, like, we're taking a movie character and making it. Like, I would rather see them do something totally different. I think the example I gave last episode was, like, what if all of the Avengers were women? And just, like, totally random. You know what I mean? Like, something yeah. like that. Where it has nothing to do with any of the actors or characters from the movies. Okay, so here's more bad news. I guess I should have put this at the top. But David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, infamous dream murderers, creators (laughs) of Game of Thrones, have signed a $200 million development deal with Netflix. Okay, see, your headline here in the show document (laughs) says a $200 deal with Netflix. Yeah, that's way better. I like that idea. That's way better. What can they do with $200? (laughs) go <laughs> that's about what they're worth that's what their creativity is worth <laughs> that's their network um obviously like uh, props to them for getting that money get carrying that bag as the kids say i believe but uh yeah i mean they're maximizing their potential based on the success of game of thrones and right. saying like hey you know how literally everyone hated the final season let's forget about that give us money we're really good at our jobs Except for the part where we make our own stuff up, uh, which is what they're going to be doing now. So there, nothing specific about how this affects their Star Wars trilogy. I'm hoping that it cancels their Star Wars trilogy, but I know that's wishful thinking. No, like real details on what these things will be. It's just to develop, much like the Adam Sandler deal with Netflix of like you're going to make a bunch of movies for us. They are whatever they are, and then Adam Sandler was like, "Awesome! Now I have millions of dollars to do." bullshit and put forth zero effort which is what he did and i'm sure what david benioff and db weiss will do because that's what they did with game of thrones as well hooray so here's a fucking bonkers story yeah movie pass came out several years ago in 2014 which was basically a monthly subscription service that you paid a monthly fee and you could go see however many movies you wanted when it launched in 2014, it was $35 a month, which is a lot, 
But basically, like, if you see four movies in a month, that pays for it. So for people that really want to see a lot of movies, this is totally worthwhile. Then they upped it to 45 a month. Then in 2016, they upped it to $50 a month to see six movies, which is still, like, sort of a value prop. Yeah. Or $99 a month for Unlimited, which that becomes, like, okay, I got to see ten movies in a month for this to be worthwhile. Not sure. And that's basically how the public reacted. And so people were no longer buying the service. So then they, like, tanked their prices to $21 a month, then $10 a month, then $8 a month, then $7 a month in 2018. And then in February of 2018, they announced that they had had hit 2 million subscribers, which is like, hey, man, people love this service because they're basically paying us what is the effective, like, effectively a movie where they can see way more than one movie. Right. Which, not really sure how they thought that would work long term. Not a sustainable business model. And guess what? It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, then they started changing how the subscription worked because they realized, oh shit, this is not making us money. So, they started doing some stuff that was pretty shady. Like, saying there were technical issues whenever big movies would release. The infamous one was when Mission Impossible Fallout came out. People were unable to purchase tickets through it for that movie. Getting like this like technical error that was like, oh, I'm sorry, there are no showtimes near you. Or, oh, this theater doesn't have seats. When they did have seats and it was showing. And so Movie Pass was like, oh, yeah, it's a technical problem. We're working on it. But it, everybody was kind of like, really? Mm-hmm. Or are you just <laughs> pretending because you don't want us to see this movie? Um... And then after Spider-Man Far From Home released in June, they kind of like went dark and were like, this is no longer available. We're going to be refunding people that have purchased. They haven't said when it's returning. It's like dead. Uh, And now there's a report that came out that said they were also changing user passwords without the user's knowledge to prevent them from accessing movies when they would come out. So like a movie would come out. I would want to get a ticket through MoviePass. I would be unable to log in because my password isn't working for some reason. And then I just like, ah, it's too much of a hassle. I guess I'm not going to go see it. And it was because MoviePass was changing people's passwords without them knowing so that they couldn't get into the application. That's fucked. Like, that's like fraud, kind of. Uh, Definitely illegal. Well, also then you can't get into your account to cancel the service. Also true. Until you go through like an account reset option and stuff. Also true. Uh, And the cherry on top of this shitstorm is that MoviePass was working with Jerry Media for a couple of years, who is one who are one of the infamous companies behind the Fire Festival. Hell so, yeah, straight fire. That's about all you need to know there. Uh, yeah, MoviePass wow. spitting straight fire festival. So that's a crazy. I remember when MoviePass came out, and I was like, this might be worthwhile. Like, I would definitely maximize my usage and go see a lot of movies because I wanted to see a lot more movies than I was. And then I just kind of never did it. And that's when they started changing their terms of service where it became not worthwhile anymore. Right. And apparently a bunch of other people agreed with me because uh, they're out of business. <laughs> it just seemed like such an unsustainable business model in general. Yeah. A great idea to kind of streamline that process, and uh, but it didn't work. I wonder if they wound up making money off of that. No. I mean, I'm sure the people at the top did. Right. But as a business, clearly not. And then finally, something that's going to make me definitely lose money. Disney has announced they that they are bundling Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus 
for $13 a month. So when Disney Plus launches on November 12th, that's when this bundle launches. Coincidentally, Netflix is also $13 a month. Surprise, surprise. What a weird pricing model. Unfortunately, this the Hulu in this is their standard version, not their commercial-free version, which I think most people have. That's what I have. We upgraded for Hulu Plus with no commercials because, holy shit, those commercials were so annoying. It was worth the extra, like, $4 a month. I'm not sure if you'll be able to, like, upsell to get the upgraded Hulu Plus as part of this bundle and just pay the, the difference. But uh, I'm probably getting this. Because I already wanted to get Disney Plus. I already have Hulu. And ESPN Plus is just kind of a bonus. Um, so it's basically a $5 per month discount if you bundle these three things together. Which is a pretty good value proposition. So what Disney Plus is like 10 bucks a month, right? I think it's like 8 Okay. Because we, are, we think... already get Hulu through, I think, Spotify. My oh, wife really? pays for Spotify. I think she gets Hulu through them. Hmm. Um, or something. And then, I mean, I don't give a shit about ESPN Plus. Right. I also just don't know if I give a shit about Disney Plus either. Oh, man. I don't know, dude. With, well, granted, you don't care as much about all the Marvel stuff. But, like, right. all those Marvel shows they announced. The Mandalorian show, which looks awesome. That's, like, the one thing. They're bringing back Star Wars The Clone Wars, which seems awesome. Oh, uh, I didn't. Yeah. I and, like, the, they'll have all the Marvel movies on there. They'll have all of the old Disney animated movies on there. A bunch of old Disney shows and stuff. Yeah, like, I might pay for, like, a month and then marathon all the Marvel movies. Yeah, that's And then, fair. like, pay for a month and watch The Mandalorian and just kind of right. piecemeal it. Well, the, the, the bummer is they have also said that they are not doing the binge model like Netflix does. They are doing the Hulu model, which is weekly episodes. Well, I guess Hulu does both, but, like... A lot of what Hulu does is weekly episodes. Which, like The Mandalorian, you get an episode every week. Okay. Well, I'd probably so. just wait till the whole thing was done and then. Great point. But then yeah. you missed the zeitgeist, bro. Yeah, I don't. I'm not on social media. Who cares? Yeah, but you're on this podcast, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Definitely getting that. Uh, well, I should say if. I can upgrade my Hulu, I will probably get this. If I cannot upgrade my Hulu, it probably isn't worthwhile, and I would just get the Disney Plus by itself. Right. Because it is worth not having commercials on Hulu, dude. Those commercials are the worst. And you see the same ones over and over and over. Which they do on purpose to get you to buy the upgraded Hulu Plus. Right. But whatever. Uh, No specific hate of the week, because shit is too real in life. That I don't want to have a frivolous hate because there's enough to be mad about already. So, hey, gun violence, hate of the week. Most fun hate of the week ever. I feel like like hate of the weeks in the past have been like, people that tailgate you while you're driving. <laughs> like, And now it's like, people dying. Boom. That's where we are. Let's end on something positive. Like an email from Steve in D.C. Steve writes, Shane Kyle, we have all or we all have some nostalgic classics that we would love to go back to, whether it comes to TV shows, games, or movies. With my favorite Nickelodeon's Are You Afraid of the Dark getting a reboot next year, what TV series, movie, or video game are you most looking forward to for a reboot? Create one if it doesn't exist. Thanks for the pod, Steve in DC. So specific to ones that are already happening that I am looking forward to, what Nintendo is doing with the Link's Awakening remake, I'm super psyched about. 
I don't have a ton of attachments to that game other than just like, yes, it's a very good Legend of Zelda game. Like, a lot of people consider it one of the greatest games all ever made. I'm not there, but it's awesome. Mostly, like, I love what they're doing to adapt that game and make it unique and cute visually. So that I'm super psyched about. I also am greatly enjoying what a lot of companies are doing with these, like the Spyro remaster, where they're clearly putting effort into, like it's not a cash grab. There's right. real effort going behind it. So broadly, like that move that is happening, I think is very positive. For like when these consoles first launched, there were a bunch of like unnecessary quote unquote HD remasters from like late gen PS3 games. Like I was actually, I was listening to, uh, I think it was the 2014 or 2015 Giant Bomb Game of the Year deliberations because I have a really long commute. I got to listen to something. But uh, right. they were talking about like most unnecessary HD remaster that year. And like they there was a remastered port of the Deadpool game starring Nolan North. That Ooh. game was garbage. Yeah. And they had stopped selling that game because they lost licensing rights. And then they did an HD remaster. They did an HD remaster bundle for the two prototype games. Who on this earth needed to replay an up-res prototype game? Like, are you serious? So at least that stuff doesn't seem to be happening as much anymore. Uh, yeah. I would love to see... I guess it's... I mean, it doesn't necessarily fit into this category. I would still love to see an up-res, and I use that in sneer quotes, collection of the Mass Effect trilogy. I would love yeah. to replay that trilogy on my PS4 Pro. Not really this, what Steve is asking, but that's one of the things that pops into my mind about like remastering games. Um, yeah, do you have any like big ones of reboots that are either coming or ideas that you have for these? Well, just like we talked about earlier, like uh, Republic Commando, I think that's right. a really good one to be able to revisit. E- even if it was like, hey, we're making a new Republic Commando game that is now officially canon. Um, you could maybe even call it something else. I don't care about the name, but like that squad based playing as a trooper, like class based, squad based, um, like kind of a single player campaign, co op compatible, that kind of stuff would be uh, a really good time. But um, I'd put uh, my usual that I always go back to is Dark Void. Mm. I would like, like just reboot it because like the first one had a lot of promise and like flying around with your jetpack and like hitting the brake at the right moment and then blasting a dude off the side of like a structure. It's a ton of fun. Like all the weird stuff with gravity and like shifting perspective. Like that was a lot of fun. Uh, and I think you could do some uh, more inventive and more impressive stuff with it now. And then also I put down Halo, a reboot of Halo, because at this point I'm kind of, I'm a little divested from the canon. Um, because it's just kind of messy and 343 maybe didn't do the best job with what they were given. Um, and I'm like, I'm not super happy with like the direction of it. And so I w- kind of wish that Halo Infinite was like a new Halo game. Yeah. Cause like, if a, like a reboot. The initial teaser, that was a lot of the, uh, speculation was that it was yeah. some kind of reboot, reimagining, whatever. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I mean, I'm up for whatever it is, but... I think it would be more compelling to me for them to kind of start square one again. And it could have a lot of the same stuff, but cut, rework some of the story framework and some of the characters, uh, I think would be, 
and then you can start re-releasing uh, like new books and stuff. Like I've been, I've thoroughly enjoyed the new Star Wars books for the most part. Okay, uh, I I liked those old Halo books. They were simple but fun, and I would be into reading new Halo books as well. Um, that kind of uh, were able to expand upon the fiction in a way that didn't interfere with what Bungie had going on at the time, stuff like that. So, I would, uh, Halo would be cool. Obviously, it will never happen, but Halo would be cool. Yeah. I thought of a real one and a joke one. The real one is Dead Space. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first Dead Space games is one of my favorite games ever made. The second game is good, but does not capture what made the first game special. And the third game is hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... Okay, so this is more, this is my personal opinion on this, like, reboot mentality that we're living under now. Like, they just announced they're rebooting Home Alone. Like, I, I generally, with exceptions, am anti-reboots. I have nothing against them in a vacuum, because unlike what most internet, you know, keyboard warriors say... Like, them rebooting Ghostbusters with an all-female cast does nothing to affect the original Ghostbusters movie. Correct. Those are still enjoyable. They're still great. You can still watch them whenever you want. And they're fantastic. It being a new Ghostbusters that is different doesn't do anything to hurt your enjoyment of the old one. What annoys me is two things. One is it stifles trying new things. Because it's like, let's just keep trying to capture nostalgia over and over and over and over again. And two, the level of effort into a lot of these things seems not as high as it should be. Or at least like the quality. Like, I have zero problem with them rebooting Ghostbusters with an all-female cast. The problem is that the trailers for that movie made it seem not funny or good. I did not see it because it didn't look funny or good. I'm not going to force myself to watch something in that case. Or, like, I know you liked the new Jumanji movie, but looking at the trailer of that, it looked fucking terrible. Right. I would never have watched the movie based on the trailers. I watched the movie because I thought it would be funny to watch the new Jumanji movie as a joke. Right. And then it was actually a lot of fun. I don't believe you, but that is fine. Um, <laughs> I think that this is a scam. Like you're, you're. This is a long con to get me to waste an hour and forty minutes of my life watching Jumanji. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> but that's like, and 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 appreciate the the question, Steve. And like, I, my point is, I'm not trying to take away anyone's excitement for reboots. I broadly just don't really like them. Uh, right. but like Dead Space, for example, like that is that is a case where. It has a vibe that is all its own that other games haven't really been able to capture that in the same way. Like, I hate horror games, and I fucking love Dead Space because the mechanics and the story were so awesome. So if they were able to recapture that in a new form, that could be really cool. The joke example I thought of, actually, I went on a journey with this joke that was in my head because I thought of the joke... And then realized that I wouldn't even want this to happen as a joke. That's how depressing the current state of this is. And that Uh-oh. is to remake the Star Wars prequels. Because in my head, I'm like, hey, jokey joke. Everyone always talks about let's remake the Star Wars prequels because George Lucas was a hack and those movies no. are terrible. But with the current state of Star Wars movies, 
I legitimately don't even have faith that if they remade the prequels, that they would be better than the prequels were. So, no. I, I ruined my own joke for myself before saying it, and that really bummed me out. But that's that's one of my age-old ones. Like, before The Last Jedi came out, that would have been my answer. Like, yes, remake the Star Wars prequels. Same broad story, but better writing and acting. More attention paid to characters that were, like, ham-fisted. Like More Jango practical Fett and effects and less bad CG. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to be fair... Episode 7 is perfectly fine. I think that it was a little creatively bankrupt. Like, it wasn't trying hard enough. But it's it's Ryan Johnson's fault that The Last Jedi sucked. He wrote and directed that movie, and he purposefully ignored stuff that is core to Star Wars and core to what J.J. Abrams set up because he's a piece of shit. So, I'm not going to blame Star Wars for The Last Jedi, but... Solo was also a completely unnecessary, mediocre film. And Rogue One was also a completely unnecessary, mediocre film. So, like, when I look at the new stable of Star Wars movies, it's hard for me to say, like, yeah, I want more of these. Even if it is to remake movies that I think are bad. I would way rather continue to watch the prequels and be slightly sad about the fact that they aren't as good as I wished they would have been. Than... To get hyped up for a remake of the Star Wars prequels, only to be more disappointed again by bad prequel remakes. <laughs> That's like the worst case scenario. Is they remake these movies and do a worse job of it. That's just like end of Lord of the Rings here at the end of all things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh so yeah, I don't have a ton of great answers, mostly just because I'm not like super pro reboot. I would rather see something actually new. But yeah. uh Yeah, I guess with a lot of the superhero stuff, like give it a decade, but like if they were to stop the Marvel engine. I thought now, about I thought about bringing that up and yeah. like Yeah, and like like come back but have it be at a more measured pace. Right. Uh, and like And do something like, totally different. Right. Like, like right. completely change the characters in some way, which right. the comics have done plenty of times. Like, Thor was a woman in the comics for a while. Like, do something like that and totally yeah. change the character. And, uh, like, Ultimate Iron Man had, like, an autoimmune deficiency. Totally. Like, he had to be in the suit or he would die yeah. kind of thing. Do Miles Morales Spider-Man. Like, there, there are yeah. tons of ways that you can reboot the, the, the superhero stuff and make it feel fresh. But there's been so much of it. And it's... By and large, been very high quality. I'm not complaining. But there's been so much of it, and they are continuing to make it forever, basically, that I don't... Like, we won't get a reboot of this shit for, like, 20 years. Because they're going to continue making it for another decade. Right. Until it, the rails completely fall off, or the wheels completely fall off, which I don't see necessarily happening. Right. And that's kind of it. A lot of ups and downs, this podcast, I thought. It is the difficulty of this podcast that it, we, we need to be relevant and talk about the stuff that is happening. And a lot of the stuff that happens just ends up being a bummer. And that sucks. Because, like, I want this to be entertaining. I want it to be escapism. Not even just for the listeners, but also for us. Like, I just want right. to have fun talking to you about stuff. I don't want to get too real. But sometimes we don't have a choice. But, as always, we can end with something we don't hate. Which is something that we need right now. Yeah. And both of ours were food. <laughs> which i think is great yeah i when don't it, 
God. And the darkest points in life, there's always can always turn to food. <laughs> Until they start blaming, like, bacon for mass shootings, and then we're fucked. Oh, man. <laughs> Why'd you have to say it out loud? They're listening. Uh, so I'll say that I don't hate Zaxby's Blackened Blue Salad. That sounds really good. You, is there Zaxby's in the north? I don't even remember. No. I, it's like a, I think, yeah, I think I think it's just a southern chain. It's like a fast food, but it's high quality, and it's a, I mean it's a it's a blue cheese salad with blackened chicken. Yeah, it is absolutely phenomenal. And I I bought it yesterday because I wanted to save it for lunch today, which is what I'm going to do immediately after finishing the podcast. And I am psyched. Do you like a wedge salad? Yes. Oh, I love wedge salad. Holy wedge crap. salad is fantastic. A oh, pain man. to eat. A pain to eat. A little bit, yeah. Cut but. it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in my mouth. <laughs> wah, wah. I'm Shane. Cut it up for me. Child. Like, I'm paying for this. Don't make me do the work. <laughs> but I like the way it looks. Totally. It's like getting It's like getting one of those giant Hershey Kisses. Like, you just get this giant thing of lettuce, and you're like, this is all going in my stomach. I, I have a hard time thinking of two foods that are more different than a giant wedge of lettuce and a giant Hershey's Kiss. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> this is what we do here on the Shay It's Everything podcast. We bring things together. Yes, exactly. Um, well, I don't hate Hothead. Burritos. Because, yes. Uh, well, uh... uh all right, I do like their burritos, but I also very much like their bowls. Oh, Every, but isn't that the name of the restaurant, Hothead Burritos? Hothead, it, yeah, it might be Hothead Burrito. Um, but it's like a Chipotle, but all the food is like more processed food. Like, uh, it's not as like fresh from the farm. <laughs> and that's but, like so here, here's that's the thing, appealing. I have Chipotle a lot, and right. sometimes I want to eat. I want yeah, it, it is. It's the same, but it's different. Sure, absolutely. Uh, totally understand that. Just the yeah. pitch of like, it's like Chipotle, but worse, and it's really delicious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, they have they have like all these different sauces and stuff that you can get that's yeah. really good. They have a bunch of, so, yeah, I remember the salsas. One of my favorite things to do is like, this is, it's the start of a good, bad week if, because every Sunday they have uh, uh, buy two bowls for, it's like, 10 or 11 bucks and you get like a bowl and a burrito or two bowls or two burritos, whatever it is. You get two entrees, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to get one with white rice and one with brown rice, both with black beans, one with spicy chicken, one with spicy steak. Cause their steak isn't like Chipotle steak where it's super chewy and stuff. Yeah. This is like more processed meat. So you can okay. actually like chew through it and not choke and get fatty grisly stuff. And then um, on both of them, I get the corn onions and then on the steak, I get their hothead sauce. On the chicken, I get their sweet habanero sauce. Mm. And then both have sour cream. Both have extra cheese. Mm. It's so freaking good. Minus the sour cream. That sounds delicious. I know I'm in the vast minority and not liking sour cream. But but like, the sour cream helps cut some of the spiciness a little bit. So you don't ever have to Unnecessary. Like, feel like you have to take a drink. You, eh. can just, in, you can just like eat it like a vacuum cleaner all the way yeah. through. Yeah. Oh, it's good. I was waiting for you to say that you just combine it all into one bowl. No. Oh, uh, <laughs> I forgot the uh, jalapenos on both as well. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's we something have that here. That's something that Chipotle is missing is just like being able to get jalapenos put on there. Of course, you can Chipotle, ask for it. If Chipotle did it, you know, they're the fresh cut jalapenos. Yes. At Hothead, they're like the canned jalapeno right. thing like you get on nachos at a ball game. Which I don't know what I prefer. I know mom likes the fresh ones. I think I kind of prefer 
the canned jalapenos. Pickled, yeah. Pickled jalapeno kind of thing. I think that's what I prefer. I bet if you asked for jalapenos at a Chipotle, they would they would give you some. I'm sure they would. Yeah, because you can get there. just like just cilantro or right. When, yeah. when I was working like there, just we had lime juice. We had, well, yeah, they'll like, give you the lime citrus juice. I, I had a regular that wanted just tomatoes. Like they didn't like all the stuff that was in the pico, and okay. so we always had because like the way that they we made it, it was a bag of the t- the diced tomatoes, and then we mixed in all the other other ingredients, and so we would just open a bag of the tomatoes and give them a scoop of that. Yeah, Chipotle. If you have a good Chipotle, they're pretty uh pretty lax about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, they'll they'll help you out, especially if you go at a time that's not like crazy busy, because yeah. like they're always worried about throughput because corporate sucks. Right. But um, yeah. If you get like a, a cool chill Chipotle, then they'll they'll do good stuff for you. Like, um, if you get hard tacos, you can ask for soft tacos, but spread guac on the soft tacos and then wrap it around the hard taco. Hmm. So there's like a soft shell, a layer of guac around the hard shell, and then all the stuff inside the hard shell. Ooh, baby, it's good. Sounds like something my wife would like. It's very good. But I you, don't... you gotta ask them when it's not busy. Oh, of course. Um, I would never ask them to do it when I worked there. I'd make them for myself. Right. But right. That I was, have the, asked that was them, fun. Yeah, Coming I have asked them to do that uh, once since I stopped working there, and it's just I... very good. I don't think we have hothead down here, and now I'm sad because now I would not. like to try this because the bowl you just described sounds delicious. We have it's Moe's, so good. which sucks. Moe's is garbage. Oh. They do have cucumbers, which is oh. very good. Okay, and their corn salsa is also good, but there's just also their burritos uh, are not. Qdobas up here. Do you have Qdobas down there? I I think I've seen one. They're it's fine. The like not as good. good. They're not as good as hothead. Right. Yeah, I remember having a hothead up there occasionally before yeah. like Chipotle became big up there. Right, and th- yeah, that, that's like the one thing that Qdoba has over both Hothead and Chipotle is their queso is really yes. good. Because the Chipotle queso is just not very good. Not a fan. And Hothead doesn't have it. That gotcha. I recall. Maybe they have added it. I don't know. I haven't had it though, so can't. Tell I am you. very hungry now. Me too. So let's finish this podcast and then we can go eat lunch. I hope all uh, of our listeners are hungry with us. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're not listening this to this in like your Monday morning commute when you haven't had breakfast yet or you're going to be dying. Yeah, I'm sorry this is going up on a Monday when you have to wait six days to go to a hothead and get the two for 11 deal. But <laughs> Hey, it's just advance notice. Yeah, and so I think every Friday, I think it's like every Friday they do free cookies. Mm-hmm. You get like a free chocolate chip cookie. With are they any meal. good though? Yeah, they're decent. So, no, they're not if, good. They're decent. Right. If a cookie's not good, I don't care if it's free. I don't really want it. Like, if it's, like, grainy. It's like, have you had uh, Subway cookies? I don't like Subway cookies. That's what I was going to bring up as the example. Okay. Those All are right. grainy. So, they're like kind of like Subway cookies. But Zaxby's has really good cookies, funnily okay. enough. They have a new, it's a chocolate, it's like a double chocolate chip cookie. It is a chocolate cookie with, like, green M&M kind of look to it. It's like a midnight whatever. Okay. Quite good. Very, like, melty in the middle. Oh, Soft. Yeah. Very good. Tons of different kinds of cookies, especially chocolate chip, can be good. Like, I like a good, like, Chips Ahoy crunchy chocolate chip cookie. Those are sure. still good. We're a little more powdery. They yeah. break apart. But in this context, like, if I'm going to get, like, a big flat cookie, should be soft. Oh, yeah. Subways are, like, gristly. Like, you can feel it. It tastes like eating sand. It's gross. Yeah. Number one thing I miss... Uh, from my childhood is mom's mushy cookies. Oh hell yeah, nicotine cookies. Yeah, man, she oh who, 
And those L- were just L- LSD squares and nicotine cookies. Yeah, man. Call the, child the, services. The nicotine cookies she just got from that like it, well, school, yeah, it was, whatever. Um, yeah, they were just frozen. Day. It was just frozen cookie dough. The yeah. only thing she did different she was she knew how to, them. Yeah, she knew how to cook it. Yeah. the perfect time. They're so to melting. where you could still get them off the pan. Yes, but they would like start to fall apart as you picked them up. Holy and not crap. not not fall apart. They they like, would like melt. melt. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> they were they were semi solid. Yes. Who boy. <laughs> like ice cream texture. <laughs> yeah. Oh. God. Very very good. We never came up with a good name for her peanut butter rice crispy squares with the chocolate on top. Yeah. Because we had the nicotine cookies, the LSD squares, which were the fruity pebble rice krispie treats, which right. are also amazing. But we never my had favorite, a favorite. We never had a name for the no bakes either. They're well, that's no what they, that's what they're called. There's their no bake cookies, the chocolate yeah. peanut butter oatmeal. Those are also delicious. I am seeing mom in a couple of weeks, and I am going to highly request that she make something and brings it to me because <laughs> I want something now. We have. I have to go eat. I'm dying. It's noon. yeah. Me too. I have to eat. This is the end of the podcast. Everybody go have a snack that is listening because <laughs> you are probably hungry now. Uh, also, And then go check out SheaHatesEverything.com. Thank you. I was also going to say, and write us an email, info at SheaHatesEverything.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, watch the YouTube version and leave a comment there. Like us on Facebook slash SheaHatesEverything. Follow me on Twitter at Shea underscore Castle. Tweet at me. All the stuff. All the things. Engage. Engage. In the, engage in this engage in this podcast. Okay, bye. Thanks. Peace out. <laughs>